morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm feeling it today. I don't know what, but I'm feeling... Are you feeling it? There's, there's something. There's something in the air tonight, Fandango. Is that it? Fernando, that's it. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including later on, I'll be borrowing a pen from Kelly Betts, yes. Also, Bedfordshire has got a lot to be proud of, including it's officially home to Britain's drunkest driver. Well done, guys. Unbelievable. Bed's police stopped someone driving eight times over the limit. It's not working, is it? The, the, the drink drive laws aren't working at the moment. How could anybody argue against a zero tolerance policy? That's what we need. You have one drink, you drive, you get busted. Simple. A Milton Keynes pensioner is facing eviction from her hospital bed? Hmm. It's partly because she's got nowhere to go and partly because her family are turning down what the council's offering. Keen to get your thoughts on that. And an incredible story with some incredible pictures that we will put on Facebook later. We'll be talking to the Wickham restaurant owner whose customers are having to leap over a dirty great trench to get their hands on his jerk chicken. The electric company dug it. He doesn't dig it. What's happening? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or, and I suspect we're going to get lots of phone calls today, so get in early. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire, as we know, is wonderful, isn't it? Famous for lots of great things. John Bunyan, Luton Town, Clangers, the pasty kind, of course. That's what I'm talking about. And now Britain's drunkest driver. According to the latest police authority figures, Beds caught someone driving eight times over the legal limit. How can you be eight times over the legal limit and not dead? Deary me, uh, the case has been highlighted ahead of this year's festive crackdown. I, I, I just think that we need to. It doesn't work. The drink-drive laws do not work. Zero tolerance. You have one drink, you don't drive. And if you do drive and you get caught with it, boom. That's it. Licence taken off you. you can't, how could anybody sensibly argue against that? You can't, can you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, we sent uh, our reporter Justin Dealey out to speak to motorists about this. Morning, Justin. Morning, boss. Zero tolerance to me. Uh, e- slightly easier for me to say because I'm uh, uh, teetotal. But zero tolerance, it, it makes perfect sense. It does to a certain degree, but when you think about medicines, certain medicines, of course, have alcohol. Certain desserts have alcohol. So it's going to be tricky. I have been talking to motorists on the A5 about a zero tolerance in terms of a ban. And uh, here's what motorists have had to say. Well, I, I should say there's just, just one mistake, and that's that. Never, ever drink and drive. Then again, I think we all know people who do it and do it oh, on a regular basis. do, yeah. yeah. Frighten, the thing that frightens me to death on the road is drink drivers. You never know where they're going to come from or anything. So, no. Zero tolerance, basically. So once you're caught, that's it. You never drive on the roads again. Well, other countries do it. Why shouldn't we? I think so. I think, uh, you know, it's the only way to go. I think None, really, to be honest. Zero tolerance. My granddad never drank as a police officer. I don't drink. I had one scare when I was younger. Maybe one warning, maybe. But that warning was enough for me to... You know, I mean, I went out on a Wednesday night. Friday I got pulled over and I was on an amber. And that had been over two days and I had, I'd only had three points. And what's your thoughts on these people like this man from Bedfordshire who was caught eight times over the limit? What do you think about those people? 
they're just a danger to other road users just there's nothing really I can say apart from just stupidness really Justin Dealey, thanks very much for that. 08459 455 555. Can anybody sensibly put up a strong argument against zero tolerance? You have one drink, you're out. You need a very, very tiny little window of flexibility to cover the the, the mouthwashes and and the the desserts that have got a bit of booze in. Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't quite know what that would be, but someone can let me know. 08459 455 555. Joined now by Declan Duggan from Luton. Uh, Declan, you, uh, your son rather sadly died, didn't he, after getting into a car with a drunk driver. What happened, Declan? Um, well, my son had been, had, uh, had been offered a lift. That's basically what it was. And uh, it was his friend who offered him a lift. And it was the biggest mistake that my son had ever, ever, uh, ever made. And uh, it, it transpired that within... 15 minutes of being in that car uh, a policeman had spotted this car decided to uh, obviously knew that the driver was erratic and put the blue lights on and had a police chase the driver of the car obviously then sped to get away he'd been drinking and uh, the car had spun out of control and the car hit a tree and my son took the full impact and was, and was killed the, the driver, there were three kids in the car two uh, other guys survived my son was uh, was the only one who who, who who didn't make it and the other two had been on an all day drinking binge and my son had just literally went out an hour before he got in the car he only had one drink uh, my son was the only the, the only one who had his blood tested uh, because he was dead the other two because they were unconscious didn't have their blood tested so uh, they couldn't prove the amount of alcohol that he drunk and uh, that was way back in 2002 and uh, um, not a lot seems to have changed but uh, there are different views on alcohol and intake and different levels and I have my own one I was a publican for 24 years and I sold booze as a living so what do you when you we'll get to what you possibly think should be should be the limit when you hear about this chap who, who was eight times over the limits how does that make you feel no it, it uh, listen let's just complete and utter um, irresponsibility and what what this highlights is that there really is this, this there's always people who are going to abuse the system uh, but what it uh, in the bottom line is and, and we always come back to it it's it's educating people about the dangers and the consequences of it and then what you'll find is that we've got you don't want to be cracking a big big sledgehammer for this nut by highlighting one or two pieces because what you don't do is penalize the responsible many by the irresponsible few and this is how sometimes mm. things like this happen and uh, zero tolerance sounds great and sounds easy it's going to be so difficult to, uh, to why tell me why you think it's difficult Declan because to me it just sounds like it, 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 that's it there isn't there is a simple rule you don't have a drink if you do that's it you're in trouble why do you think that would be difficult well, to police? I just think it's very very difficult because if someone's sitting at home at evening and had a glass of wine and uh, with their dinner, they get a phone call two hours later. Um, you, uh, um, uh, it's their daughter or their son, their car's broke down. Someone's got to go off and pick them up. They've had one glass of wine, one bottle of beer, right? That does not impair you totally to go down the road and pick your son or daughter up. Um, I, I, I run a pub for 23 and a half years. 
I had people, I had regular people who used to come into my pub after work at five or half past five and have one pint of Guinness or two pints of Guinness and they would drive home after two, after one or two pints, depending on what they had. And these people were doing this for 20 years. So what we're trying to say is these people were responsible. They knew what they were doing. We're going to crack down on all these responsible people because of certain individuals who we should be targeting and who we should be cracking down on. Declan, I really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Declan Duggan from Luton, who, uh, who uh, eldest son Kevin died after getting into a car with a drunk driver. 08459 Interesting what he says. He doesn't think zero tolerance would work. I do think it's the only way. The example he gave about, well, if, if your kid breaks down, you've had a glass of wine. Well, what if your kid had broken down and you'd had a bottle of wine? What would you do then? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Who do you agree with, Declan or me? What do you think? Zero tolerance, or should we have some leniency? Morning in Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I do like a little bit of uh, a bit, of, bit of Beatles and a bit of Beatles from Revolver. The Revolver's on my mind because Justin Daly was asking me what my favourite my favourite album of all time is. Well, it's that. I've given away the magic. You can hear that more with Justin uh, on Saturday. Right, it's 6.15. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, here's a story. Keen to get your thoughts on. And I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this. 08459 455555. An 82-year-old woman has been served an eviction notice... From her bed at Milton Keynes Hospital, Joan Parker had a fall in February. You might remember her story. Her family were concerned about the time it took for her to get a scan uh, and complained that the food she was given was unsuitable as she's had throat cancer. Well, she's been in hospital ever since, partly because she's got nowhere else to go. Joined now by our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis. Craig, give us the background to this story. Morning, Ian. Well, back in February, Joan Parker was admitted to Milton Keynes Hospital after suffering a fall in her home. Mm. But once there, the 82-year-old was left waiting four days for a scan on her head injury. Her family told us they believed she'd have died if they hadn't have constantly badgered staff, and they were also complaining the food she was given was unsuitable as she'd proved she had throat cancer, as you mentioned. When we raised this with the hospital, its chief executive, Joe Harrison, insisted she hadn't been left for an unreasonable time without a scan, and this was the correct clinical approach for her condition. But he did apologise for letting Mrs Parker down when it came to the food. OK, so how is... Th- th- this happened back in February. How is she physically now? The good news is she's made a full physical recovery, but her family say there's been psychological damage. She's been having a recurring nightmare in which she's left lying in a pool of blood that gets bigger and bigger, and uh, she only wakes up when she's physically sick in her dream, and after that she just can't get back to sleep again Mm. at all. I've seen a psychologist report which said she couldn't return to her old home, and the family have since sold that property. They've been working with Milton Keynes Council to try and find a suitable home, but without any luck. Do we know why the psychologist said she couldn't return to her old home? Well, basically, it comes down to the fact that she's having these nightmares. Um, She really is very scared. She went back there to collect some clothes, and um, she basically was jittery. She was frightened. She Mm. was so scared, she just ran in the house and and grabbed her stuff, and she's not been able to go back since, psychologically. Also, it's it's a uh, second-story flat, and she just can't cope with stairs anymore. Okay. So why has she now been served this eviction notice? Well, quite simply, Milton Keynes Hospital needs her bed back. Uh, I sent an email this morning, actually, just before I came down here, which says uh, they've been trying to get this resolved for 20 weeks now, and 
that's because she's been deemed to be clinically well and they say the hospital is no longer the best place for her to be and clearly it's not good for an elderly woman to be living in hospital for months at a time when she doesn't really need to be there. Joan's family are upset that the hospital hasn't done more to help um, and indeed I've sent an email to them from one hospital official saying it would be politically incorrect for them to do so but hospital officials have told me they're not there to resolve housing disputes and a resolution needs to be found between Joan and Milton Keynes Council. Okay well that sounds that sounds quite sensible why haven't the council found her somewhere to live then? The council says it has tried to help Housing officials say Joan's been offered three homes and has turned them all down. Now, three homes in in the sort of five or six months that she's been looking for a property actually doesn't seem very much for them to offer, really. Um, But perhaps that's a symptom of the general shortage of available accommodation in in Milton Keynes. Which we know is is a huge problem. We've talked about that before, haven't we? We've spoken about that, yeah. Uh, The council tell me they're committed to finding Joan a new home and have been working hard to do so. But, again, her family said the properties she's been offered have been entirely unsuitable, so one of them didn't even have a kitchen, and another was in a crime hotspot that that Joan would be very vulnerable to Mm. live in. There's another little twist to this. Um, Joan has been deemed to have sufficient resources to find her own place following the sale of her previous home. And in a statement, Milton Keynes Council said if she doesn't want to live in any of the places they've offered, they'd be happy to find her somewhere in the private sector. Okay, well, so why doesn't she want to do that? Well, according to her family, it's not quite that easy. Um, They say they're they're, they're not trying to get something for nothing here. They're quite happy to spend the money that Joan and themselves have got. Um, In fact, they say they've lost count of the number of times the council has advised them to simply have a look on right move. Um, Joan's son, Dave, told me the £40,000 she'll get from her property isn't enough to buy anywhere else and that hardly any bedsits are available. In fact, they haven't even got that money yet, so when she's due to be evicted tomorrow morning, they wouldn't have that money to just move her straight into somewhere else. Uh, they've also tried to find places at homes for elderly people in Willen and Shenley in Milton Keynes, but these are fully booked with, uh, w- with waiting lists to boot. And sadly, they're unable to take Joan in either as their homes across four storeys. And as I say, all in all, it's a sad indictment of the housing situation in Milton Keynes, well, really. Uh, they, 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 surely they, these the homes, care homes and homes for elderly people, a sheltered accommodation, they are fully booked. But you would assume that they would have put her name on that list on a list months ago as a, as a kind of a backup plan. Well, I assume uh, that they would have put them perhaps five months ago, but um, from what I was told certainly about the, the Shenley home, and, and I must admit I haven't checked this with the home themselves, but mm. the family is saying that uh, there's a three-year waiting wow. list there, okay. so it's not a case of a couple of months. Well, we're, we're talking to the family later on, aren't we? So we can, we I can certainly put that point to them. What happens next? Tomorrow morning she's getting the boot, is she? Yeah, come tomorrow morning, Joan will be evicted from Milton Keynes Hospital, and unless something very drastic happens in the next 24 hours, she's not going to have anywhere suitable to live. Craig, thank you very much indeed. Which members of the family are we speaking to? Uh, it's it's the, the, the daughter the daughter and the son, is it? Is that uh, It's her son, Dave, and her daughter-in-law, Pam, and there is a chance uh, that Joan may be in herself, but that depends uh, on okay. various things this morning. Craig, thank you very much. I look forward to speaking to them. 08459 555 It's an unusual one. What do you think? Uh, have the hospital done enough? Well, she's been in the hospital for a few months, and it it isn't really their job to find her somewhere to live, is it? It is more of the council's responsibility. Yep. <coughs> so he lost his legs in the Vietnam War. She goes off to cop off with a load of blokes in bars and he wants to shoot her, but he can't move. Good morning. Call 08459 455 555. Right, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. So, today, yesterday, well, this morning, yesterday, I put a sneaky little bid on 200, 200 seven inch vinyl singles okay 200 i won it oh i won it 
30 quid including postage, 200 singles from the 1960s. How cool is that? Now, uh, yeah, no, exactly. Here's the problem. Where am I going to hide them? My wife's going to kill me. She's going to be furious when a big box appears. You saw me bidding on this, didn't you, Catherine? Yeah, I also saw you selling your records. Yeah, well... To make room. <laughs> yeah, I did sell a lot of records. It's mainly CDs. Okay. But I, uh, I bought these two. At your wife's insistence, she wanted some space, so you sold. Well, no, it wasn't her insistence, although it was initially yeah. her idea. 200, 200 seven-inch vinyls. I don't even know how much space that will take up. About that much. Oh, oh, bl- really? Mm-hmm. They're all, I don't know what they are. They're all 60s. So there's going to be some corkers and some stinkers in there. I'm very excited. I'm going to play them on my dance set record player. I'm going to have um, discos. Me and the boys will have topless discos in the garage. It's kind of what boys do. Let's <laughs> take our tops off. Topless discos. Hey, boys, let's take our tops off and play some old records, yeah? That's what, that's what dads and kids do. It's fun. Um, I'd be lucky if they can keep their trousers on, those lads, the way they're going. <laughs> anyway, where am I going to hide them? This is the thing. I don't know where to hide these records because my wife, even though it only costs 30 quid, she will be... My wife's going to kill me. She is going to kill you. I would normally <laughs> say honesty is the best policy. No. Not in this case. No. Have you got a great big box with, and you can write something boring on it? Oh, ah, that's not a bad idea. That's what I'd do I if I was put, a bad person. I could write records on it, because she would think that was really boring. <laughs> Two things here, dear listener. We'll, we'll look at the papers in a second. Two things. Uh, where can I hide my records? Because my <laughs> wife's going to kill me. Uh, and uh, uh, Secrets and lies. Secrets and lies from your, your partner. Let's do that this morning, please. What secrets and lies have you got? 08459 455 555. I like... That's a kink song, of course. It's Village Green Preservation Society from the album of the same name. It, it's some may call it a pantomime uh, and i like I, I love the king's version of that i might dig that out this week but i also like that kate rusby she's very good i don't know who she is we well we've we've googled her we've googled her and she's from bansley and she's the same age as me um and she's done songs she's very talented beyond that i don't know anything about her but well done well done Kate. i wish you the, the best of luck with your musical career i really hope it goes in the direction you'd like to oh eight four five nine four double five five double five where on earth am i going to hide uh, my records uh, and secrets and lies from your other half please are you belching no i've got i really, really want to cough i'll just go and hang on sorry <coughs> if anything that made it louder because it had the whole hallway to to echo it <laughs> My boys, oh uh, I keep banging up my boys. I, I'm, I'm so love my boys. I got to see them last night. I didn't think I would. Uh, and their their new thing is, if they go in anything that's like a room, they'll go <laughs> echo. <laughs> but then if it doesn't echo, what they do is they go echo, echo, echo. echo. <laughs> their own. They make their own echo. Both of them. Oh, I love that. It's fun, right, <laughs> Catherine Boyle? You've you've got a husband. You must lie to him all the time. I don't. Um, ah, I don't lie. Okay, you, just you, don't tell him the truth. Is that is that how it works in your household? That's how it works in most households. I think yeah. if if you are honest or dishonest, you know the whole. Oh, is that a new frock? No, I've had it ages. Is that, that genuinely happens, doesn't it? it? Happens in my mum and dad's household, but I have my, control of my own money, so it happens less in mine. You've got control of your. Well, no, it's like. <laughs> No, it's like 2013 or something. Oh dear, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you run off with your girlfriend and go and get married in California or something? She won't have me. Oh, okay. What have you got in the papers, love? Well, there's a lot of stuff about Nigella oh, in here. Shocking dear. claims in court. I think the Sun's um, front page is... Oh. 
Habitual criminal Nigella, as if it's a fact, and actually it was taken from something the judge said, which was, it, the fact was, that the judge said, if these allegations are true, that would make her an habitual yeah, criminal. Yeah, I don't like these, part of me likes these things being played out in public, because we're human beings and we like gossip and salacious news, but but the majority of me, I would say 53% of me, does, I, think, I think this is all very nasty this and unfair. This is nasty, this is like the Hume, do you remember when they were clashing in court oh, and all yeah. the other stuff came out, and you just think, hang on, there are children involved in this, well, you're going to have to live knowing that their parents have done this to each other. I have, I have no sympathy for the Hunes, of course, who took, she took dry, speeding points for him. No, but there was a son involved in that as well, wasn't uh, there? Oh, yeah, there was. You there know, you've was. got to keep some sort of relationship and remember that you're the grown-ups, I think. Well... Easy to say when you're not in it. I easy think. to say when you're not uh, in it. Um, uh, I'm trying to find... There was a story I found in the newspaper. Oh, here we go. Oh, look. I feel sorry for hoarders. Do you remember um, Mr Trebus? I'm a bit of a hoarder. Sorry? I, I like keeping stuff. What, what kind of stuff do you like keeping? I've kept stuff that I didn't need to keep. Christmas, I can't get rid of cards. Oh, I get rid of cards immediately. Yeah, I, I should. As soon as they come through the post, put them in the bin. Yeah, I've got, like, baby cards from when the children were... Oh, forget I've that. I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got um, tickets of what? things I've been to, and... Uh, but then I do habitually, you know, after about five or six years, when it starts to gather dust and I'm fed up of, like, stashing it away and my drawers are bursting... Um, I just dump the lot, and it feels quite refreshing. So but I do keep, I do oh. accumulate stuff. Just bear with me a second. <clears throat> so when your drawers are bursting, you have a dump. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I have a good clear out. Yes. Okay, lovely. Good, good, good rummage. Um, well, I see. I get rid of stuff, and I know that when I'm older, I'll regret it. I already get rid of. I already regret getting rid of like all my old school books and school reports and stuff like that. But. Yeah. It's good for your headspace, though, I anyway, think. Anyway, it's not as bad as this woman, Vivian Davis. Well, no, I'm nowhere near that. She's, hoarding is fashionable at the moment. And is it's, it? Well, it's a form of mental illness, well, let's exactly. be honest. But it, it's been made trendy by lots of TV programmes. Mr Trebus was the first. Facing eviction, hoarder. I, when I lived in a flat in North London, and... Um, very nice flat, actually, very nice. Anyway, uh, the woman below me got locked... Old woman, didn't really... Never met her. She got locked out. And she kind of knocked and said, I'm really sorry, I've been locked out, but the back window's open. Could you climb in and let me in? I was like, yes, I would love to. I would love to. Have a little shifty round. A little shifty round. And I did. I climbed into her back house, and I wish I'd never seen it. I wish I'd never seen it, because there were rows and rows and rows of dollies. But, like, um, not like teddy dollies, like dollies with, with face... Babies. Yeah, baby, da- baby dollies. And just, I don't know, maybe three, four, five hundred plastic bags full of things just everywhere. And I just felt all my heart broke. And I rushed up upstairs and told my girlfriend, you'd never believe what she's got oh. in the house. It was sad. Did it change the way you um, treated her in future or did you still not talk to her? No, I still didn't talk to her. <clears throat> oh, wait, 459 four, five, five, double five. What else you got? Um, the Monty Python reunion next year is such a sellout that five more show dates have been added, bringing the total to ten. That's not fair, because I spent a fortune on rubbish seats. On rubbish seats. Why don't you just save your money and buy a DVD where you can actually see everyone's mouth moving? Because I want to I feel the ambiance. That's French The ambiance will be atmosphere. poor. No, it'll be... Listen, it's, it's going to be a disappointing night. I know it is. It's not going to be worth the £570 I paid for three tickets. Good grief. Yes, yes, but... But if someone drops out, I will come. Oh, this is it. This is why you're you're uh, trying to uh, damn it. Because if you, you drop out, I'll go. You're not going to go with my wife and my father-in-law. They'd have a better time. That'd be a strange setup. They probably would have a better time. Uh, well, th- th- yes. I wonder if those tickets are for sale. Uh, there is a devil cat 
Page 33 of the Daily Mail. Hang on, yesterday we had the Hitler cats, yes. now there's a devil cat. I think the, the Daily Mail has really got a real problem. They've moved from Romas to a cat's. Leave it what out. What cats done to you? Imagine a Roma cat. Ugh. Beware of devil cat. Police called five... That was a joke, by the way, apparently. You reckon? Police called five times to deal with Shiny, the Tom who's maiming villagers. Look at the bruises on that woman. Right, not being funny, if a cat did that to me, I would, I would punch it in the face. I would, I could punch that cat. And you love cats. I love cats. <laughs> if a cat did that to me, I would get a knuckle sandwich and d- deliver it. Why do cats do that, though? We had a cat around our way that was a little semi-feral, let's call it. It wasn't really allowed in the house. But it would come up to you and it would be all purry and rubbing itself against your leg. And then all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> They do that. And they, they kind of block, don't they? And you're yep. shaking your leg. And it's, Whoa, come they're, on. They're tough like that. Keep your drawers on. Uh, Neighbours say that Shiny is terrorising the area and have branded him Devil Cat. Police have been called five times over his violent behaviour, which has left locals and their pets in need of medical treatment. They want the four-year-old cat to be put down. His owners, however, insist he's innocent and the injured must have done something to provoke him. What, breathing? Yeah, what can you do? How do you provoke a cat? Well, you get, you get a little bit of string and that, that's the only way you can provoke it. Really? Dennis, you've called up too late. No, I didn't. So, Catherine, anything else? Um, no. Oh, hang on. Families have invited... Oh, here we go. Go on. It's us. What, what's happened? The Sun. Page seven. Yeah? They're not going to mention us, but we gave them the story. Uh, families have been invited on a weird walk to find the source of a cat we smell blighting their town. Hang on, we hang on a se- Hang on a second. That's us. The mystery odour has drawn hundreds of complaints in Luton, Beverages since 2011. We know. We told you this. Dennis, this is our story. Which Dennis are we talking to now? Dennis Luton or Dennis Donstable? Oh, the wrong one. Um, Claire Richards of the Environment Agency said the stench could be coming from a river of excess paint at the local Vauxhall van factory. The agency served notices on the plant and inspected it 23 times, but the smell remains. Vauxhall has now invited locals to join officials on a walk to locate the source. And, and us? Yes. Dennis, they're talking about us. They're not mentioning us. The sun have stolen our souls. Which, Dennis, are you talking to? Not you! I can't believe the son of nicked our story! 6.46, it's Thursday, the 28th of November. I'm Ian Lee. The son of stolen our story! We'll talk about that and more after we get the latest weather with Sarah Thornton. Imitation, as I must say, is the sincerest form of flattery, Ian. How so about stealing? to be happy with. How about stealing, though, Sarah? I think you've made a big enough point that people know who did it first. Ah, uh, yes. We're aware of that now, did, aren't we? Did you enjoy Doctor Who? I loved it. it wasn't it brilliant? It was brilliant. I loved it when the when uh, the, the, the tenant and the other one met and they put the glasses on. They both go, oh. And then Aww. T- when Tom Baker popped up at the end. Oh, oh. I know. My children loved it. We loved Did it. They? We had popcorn. Where there was a whole thing going on, a whole kind of Doctor Who fest. How old are your kids? Seven and nine. Oh, magical age. Yeah, you're just getting right into it now. And now we're starting to talk about who's our favourite Doctor Who. Excellent Jason. stuff. Yeah. Sorry? Peter Davis. <laughs> that is the incorrect answer, but it's close. <laughs> He's in the top three. Sorry, thank you very much indeed. Now, listen, I, I know, I know, I'm... We're going to play a song. Now, I heard this song yesterday. I was driving up the M1, and I heard this song, and I thought, flipping it, this song is amazing. This song is amazing. Who, what, where has this song come from? Why has it not been part of my life before? Now, Kelly Betts, have you heard this song yet? No. Right. Why are you really... Oh, yeah, that's why. It is, honestly, you saw it in the running order. You went, we're not playing that. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop there. 
We're going to play it, and it's going to be awesome. I'm not going to say who it is. Okay. Let's have a listen. Have you heard it, Catherine? Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, that I liked you? it. Right, let's have a listen. I'll tell you who so it is. So it's a current song, is it? it? Is it a new... I guess so, yeah. I guess... Mm, okay. Have a listen and see what you think. Right, so, what did, what, what did we think, team? I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> Look at you, Catherine, you <laughs> muppet. <laughs> Kelly Vets. Mm, it was okay. It was better than you thought it was going to be, wasn't it? Kind of. We did give it a big build-up. Maybe we... Yeah. yeah. OK. It was Matt Cardle, who's a... He's, a, he's an X-Factor, is he? Yeah. Pop Idol. He's on Pop yeah, Idol. Yeah, X-Factor. Pick me, Nigel. <laughs> Little fella, stubble. If you see Sid, tell him. I, I like that. Also, saying that, I, I'm worried what's happening to me. Last week, I was listening to Radio 3, and I heard what can only be described as jazz blues. Mm. I really liked it! I'm I like becoming jazz blues. I'm beca- no, this is proper jazz blues. It wasn't Bloomin' R. Kelly... <laughs> or, or Jay-Z. It's, it's not jazz blues. It's not rhythm and blues, for goodness sakes. 08459 four double five five double five. if you want to take part in the hilarity today. Now, here on the, uh, on this show, we operate on an open-door policy, not literally. You can't just turn up and come in. But if you've got a story you think we should be doing, then we love to hear them. So when we heard that High Wycom resident Elroy Ray was losing business because of a dirty great trench that had been dug up directly outside his Caribbean takeaway on Desborough Road, we thought we had to check this out. It's quite cold at the moment, though, so I decided not to go myself. I sent Sophie Solaria. I'm one side of the, uh, the well, the trench. It looks like a trench. It's, there's about three foot high rubble on the pavement. There's paving slabs and drain pipes strewn across the pavement. After that, you've got this deep river of water, which is going down by about four feet. I'm on one side of it, behind a barrier, and I can see uh, a gentleman in the doorway of Cool Running's Caribbean Takeaway on the other side. Hi, sir. You must be Elroy? Yeah. We at present have got approximately three metres of rubble separating us. How, if I am a customer, am I going to get into your shop? See, I can't even hear you. That's how far you're away, but you're saying you won't get in. Let me try and negotiate this rubble to get to your side. Right, I'm going to go round to the left. No, there's definitely no way in here because as you try and walk onto the rubble, you nearly fall into the into the pond. Sir, sorry, I just stop you outside Cool Runnings, your favourite takeaway shop, I guess. When you first saw this mess, what did you think? I don't know how a little person like me will... Will be able to get over the mess, Exactly. How are you going to get into the shop? Well, I guess I'm not that old, so I guess I can... I can hop, I can skip, I can, uh, and he's a strong man, he can hold me, you know. Maybe he can lift you over. Okay, I'm trying to negotiate it for my right now. I'm going to climb it. I'll be careful, I'll climb it. Okay. Oh, it's lucky I'm fit and agile. Okay, we've now got... Careful when I step, yeah. Okay, so now we've now got a uh, the river of water separating us, uh, me and you, Elroy. I'm going to try and get into the shop now. That was no mean feat getting in here, was it? No. Just pile of rubble. Nobody called us to say, well, and apologise for the inconvenience. I just came, put up the sign and bugger off. Elroy, I can't help but notice that your Caribbean takeaway is completely empty. Completely empty, yeah. Today. How popular is it usually? Very popular. Very, very popular. I'm having a look around. I'm right in here now. And really, it, I'm also greeted 
buy six shelves of no food? No food, no. Because we can't put out anything because there's nobody to sell it to. And we can't be selling people because of health and safety reasons and food and hygiene reasons. This big pile that is in front of the shop, you can't do food there. What is going on? I, I don't know, to be honest. Actually, I came in Monday morning, 5 o'clock, cooked. When I came out at home, 10 o'clock, and that's what I see because I entered through the back. So it's worse than that. You're actually inside the shop. Yes. And you try to walk out of the shop, and yep. the first thing that hits you as you walk out of the shop is a four-foot puddle. Yes. The thing is, it's just 100 centimetre from the doorway. There's oh. a big hole. It's not even 100 centimetres. It's, it's yeah, on it's your doorway. Than, yeah, it's less than 100 centimetre. No word of warning, no letters, no notice, nothing at all. This is the busiest time of year for us. I've just been greeted by a guy that came to get his food today. Yeah. He's not come in now. He's gone. That's the sixth person that came here since I opened the shutter. How much money do you think you've lost? I'd say I lost roughly over three grand within the last three days. £3,000? Yeah. How long is this expected to last? This is six days. How am I going to cope for the next six days? Now, now, it sounds like, oh, it, it, what a little bit of fun, what a silly story. It's not. If you want to see the pictures, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. We saw the pictures yesterday. We could not believe it. This poor fella, he's lost about three grand. Go and have a look at the pictures. Have your say. We did ring Southern Electric uh, and they sent us a statement. We asked you and Duncan to read it for us. Safety is our number one priority at all times, both for our staff and our customers. The excavation in Desborough Road is to allow us to carry out essential repairs to our underground network following a recent power cut. And unfortunately, its location means that safe access to the restaurant isn't currently possible. You, you, you kind of get the idea, don't you? On the restaurant. Oh, he's still going on. Let's just see how that statement's going. Excavation in Desborough Road is to allow us to carry out... Yep, still going on. ...to our underground network. We'll get the rest of the statement a bit later on. And unfortunately, its location means... Yeah, we're only here until nine, though, so it might not be possible. Here's the news. Realise that this is having an impact on the restaurant. Desborough Road is to allow us to carry out essential repairs to our underground... Yep, the statement's still going. We'll, we'll try and get to the end of it before the end of the show. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots on the show this morning. Most of the times when I say that, if I'm honest, I'm lying. I know I am. It's show business, isn't it? I'm, I'm like the, the, the gentleman outside the, uh, the bearded lady tent in the olden days. Roll up, roll up, come and see the bearded lady. That'll be you, Catherine. But today, it's true, we have got lots in the show. Lots! Including Bedfordshire's got a lot to be proud of, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Well, it's got something new. It's officially home to Britain's drunkest driver. Some fella was eight times over the limit. Stories like this get on my nerves. We, We need to introduce zero tolerance, don't we? A Milton Keynes pensioner is facing eviction from her hospital bed, partly because she's got nowhere to go, and partly because her family are turning down what the council's offering. Well, we'll speak to the family shortly and hear what they have to say. Also, secrets and lies. I've just spent 30 quid on 200 seven-inch singles from the 1960s. I've not told my wife. When she finds out, she's going to kill me. I'm going to have to hide them somewhere and play them when she's out. She won't be listening to this either. What secrets and lies have you got from your partner? 
facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And here's what that statement would sound like down a hole. Carry out essential repairs to our underground network. So, there you go. Uh, uh, Sarangit's emailed in, talking about um, secrets and lies. This is a very complicated... Uh, this is a very complicated lie from his wife, he said. You're right, Catherine? You wanted to... She weaved a web of deceit. Well, it's a gentleman. Has he weaved a web of deceit? Yeah, he has. It's quite a messy one. Oh, That's dear. the kettle you can hear boiling, by the way. Back in the day, when they used to sell those pens with a rubber on the other end, which allowed you to rub out what you may have written... They didn't really, though. They just ripped your paper. Yeah. I used to buy Valentine's and birthday cards oh. and write using this pen and then give them to my wife. She would display them as she does, and keep them in the loft, where sometimes I hide things I don't want her to find. (laughs) I'm keen to know what that is. After a couple of years, I would go to her old card collection, rub out the old writing, and update the same cards with new messages. He then writes, lol. (laughs) (laughs) I never told her until recently she was not impressed. And then there's like a little sad line at the end. I can't find that pen anymore. <laughs> it's in the 90s where it belongs. Oh, Sarajit, thank you very much for that. Secrets and lies. What lies have you told to your partner, please? 08459 455 555. You can email as well. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Now, Bedfordshire. We love Bedfordshire, don't we? It's a, a, a diverse, beautiful, vibrant county. Who's the king of beds these days? It's Joe. Is Joe the king of beds? Jack. Jay. Jay. Jay's the king of beds. Of course he is. Well, the king of Bedfordshire will be horrified to hear this is happening. It's, it's the home to Britain's drunkest driver. Well done, guys. The person caught eight times over the limit tops the national list released to coincide with the annual Christmas crackdown. Now, I would suggest that eight times uh, over the legal limit is the sign of a different kind of driver. But it does suggest that we need to keep on top of this all year round. I, I really think zero tolerance is the only surefire way. You have a tiny, tiny window of flexibility that would, uh, would uh, accommodate um, a boozy pudding or mouthwash or something like that. But that's it. You get caught having a drink, you don't drive. Well, Justin Dealey has been uh, speaking to drivers in Hertfordshire. Morning, Justin. Morning, Ian. Justin, what have you, uh, what have people been saying to you today? Well, do you know what? Interestingly enough, uh, you're going to hear from some motorists later on. They're talking about zero tolerance. The majority actually agree with your views. Um, you're about to hear from Michael in Redbourne right now. He's been caught drink driving twice. Wow. Here's what he had to say. First time uh, I was 19, yes, I was over the limit. I think then there was less cars on the road anyway. It was over the limit, but um, I thought I could still drive. The second time, I thought it was unlucky, actually. There was a, there was a gap of 11 years, and uh, that was in London then. Again, I'm not, 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 not that far over the limit, either. That's the, that's the annoying thing, but I think it's sharp enough. I wouldn't drink and drive again, ever. Let me ask you this. Did you feel guilty? Not the first time, no. Second time, yes. That, that's been a change of attitude, I think, towards drink drivers as well. I'm not saying it was always... Uh, a fun thing to drink and drive but I think there was less because there was less cars uh, and also we only ever drunk beer seems to me that the worst problem now is possibly not always alcohol but maybe even drugs these days I mean you mentioned that, that you'd never do it so when you go out no. now you don't even have one no. and drive yes I do have a pint 
after playing golf and then driving home. But that's it, you go no further. That's all you can have these days. One unit, I believe. And we're talking today about how many chances drivers deserve. So how many chances do you think nowadays a driver would be entitled to for drink driving? Uh, one. One chance, that's it. They should be. Uh, again, I was lucky. Perhaps I had a year's ban and only a £100 fine. I believe now you can get a three-year ban and maybe two or £300 fine as a minimum. So they, they are factors. So the higher the, uh, the ban, I think, is a good thing. That was as a deterrent factor. And obviously the cost of the fine. Uh, let me ask you finally about this man in Bedfordshire who's been yeah. caught. Um, yeah. He was eight times nice. over the limit. What's your reaction to that? Well, I think that's poor these days. Eight times over the limit. There's over the limit, and then there's over the limit, and then there's over the limit. And eight times over the limit is a lot of times over the limit. And quite honestly, it would appear to me that well, anybody, anybody driving that alcohol, they can't be in control of the car. I think also what I found out was that, uh, that the reaction, this reaction thing between when alcohol's in your system, and uh, I know for firsthand how it, what it's like to break with alcohol in your system because, because alcohol slows that system down. Therefore, if you're drinking and driving and you go to hit the brakes, it's going to take a lot longer for you to work out or your brain to work out to hit the brakes. Therefore, by that time, that's a second lost, too late accident occurs. That fella's got me angry. Yeah, I thought he might do. There's over the limit, then there's over the limit, then there's over the limit. No, there's not. There's over the limit. That's it. But it's interesting what Michael's saying there. He's been caught for drink driving twice now. I think his last offence was, was he, over 20 years ago. The roads, of course, were, were very different back then. He says he definitely won't do it again. But he still has that one pint of lager and then drives home from his golf club. He was annoyed he got caught the second time because he was only just over the mm. limit. I, the first, Listen, it happened what happens once, you lose your licence, that's it, game over. I mean, I've got no sympathy for anybody who goes to the pub, and, and Ian, I see this pretty much every single weekend. People still think it's acceptable to do it. Uh, they will go down the pub, drink lots of beer or wine, and then get behind the wheel of their car and drive home. They think that's acceptable. But I do have a bit of sympathy for, for the next day. Some people may have gone to the pub, had three or four pints of lager. They wake up the next morning, they're driving their car, they think they're absolutely fine, and they get pulled over, and they are over the limit. I do have a, a bit of sympathy sympathy for those people but certainly none whatsoever for anybody who thinks it's fine to to get drunk and then drive their vehicle justin i want to talk to you a little bit later on about um uh, seven inch records please oh yes speak to you later i know you're my man on that thank you very much joined now by jeanette miller she uh, the association of motor offense lawyers president and managing director of jeffrey miller solicitors jeanette clearly giving people leeway it doesn't work for everyone so why don't we just have a, a clear rule you don't have a drink and you don't drive well, Ian, I think that would be incredibly difficult to police, first of all. Um, and then the, the point that um, Justin was just making about the morning after cases, I think it would catch a significant m- number of people who have had a drink the night before. They've waited. They think they're safe to drive the next day, but they still do have some alcohol in tough, the system. Tough, tough. If they think they're safe to drive the next day, the, the, that still doesn't work now, does it? People can still be over the limit. True, no. but, but the point that you're making, if it's zero tolerance, there may be people who are under currently the legal limit, but if they're supposed to have zero alcohol in their system, I think an awful lot of motorists would fall foul of a zero tolerance rule. That said, that there are some countries that do have zero tolerance, um, particularly um, some quite creative situations. In Germany, for example, 
depending on the age of the driver, young drivers under the age of 21 are expected to have zero alcohol in their system. Ah. Uh, as with professional drivers, so if you're driving a, a bus or a lorry or something like that, then you also are expected to have zero alcohol in your system. I think that makes a lot of sense. But over here, there's a major problem, major problem with this one-size-fits-all Drink X number of units and you'll be fine. It just doesn't work like that. Everybody's biological makeup is different and that has to be factored in. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, if you're a big seven-foot strapping fella, you hold your booze differently to a a, a short, petite, five-foot woman, don't you? Yeah, and I must say, I mean, I have friends who... I cringe when I hear the way that they decide to drink and then drive next day or or later that night because somebody who is as you say a petite lady who has a large glass of wine but hasn't eaten all day could actually be over the limit Mm. so that's part of the problem the education side of things i hear what you're saying about there being tougher penalties the penalties are quite tough already what are the penalties at the moment the minimum penalty for drink driving and this is the mandatory minimum doesn't matter how difficult your life is going to be without it you will lose your license for a 12-month period that is the minimum but if you're caught twice in three within 10 years as with your your um chap earlier then it's a three-year minimum and a maximum five thousand pound fine now you could face that the maximum penalty is actually six months in prison it's quite rare for somebody to 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 get a prison sentence for drink driving these days i suspect your 280 or eight times the limit chap may well have ended up in prison i don't know would it no okay if if we can't agree on the zero tolerance Mm. would it not make sense then to, to, to be stricter if you get caught drink driving once you get banned for a year you get caught twice that's it you lose your license you can't drive again what about the chap who, first time round, uh, uh, just like the, the guy in yep. the interview earlier, he's a young 19-year-old, um, I don't know what his, his level was then, but a bit foolish, made a mistake. Second time around, he says he was, he was just over. I think that's part of the problem. I don't think penalty is the way to address this. I think education, and sadly, with all the, the budget cuts all over the place, education for drink driving no. has really taken but, a hit. But, Jeanette, we know it's bad. We know, what, do we wait for, the, do we wait for someone to go and knock someone over and no, kill them and, before and, and, and we take horrific. their licence away? No, it's horrific when that happens. But I think if you do not spend money on educating people, and people are still walking around saying, oh, you're going to have one unit, or you're going to have two units and you'll be fine, that's the problem. Not making it tougher for those who fall foul of the law because of their ignorance. But if we made it zero, tolerance then their ignorance wouldn't be a factor would it because we everyone would know the rules you don't drink and drive i think we'd find that millions of drivers would be taken off the road and um, that would have a massive impact on economy that would criminalize a hell of a lot of people who still they haven't had the sufficient knowledge to be able to uh, deal with a zero tolerance position particularly when we've got actually the highest drink drive limit in europe i think so we've already got a problem now we've got a problem with alcohol generally in this country in my view jeanette thank you very much indeed jeanette miller the association of motor offense lawyers president and managing director of jeffrey miller solicitors well what do you think i was being generous there as well I said you get with first offence, you get a year's ban. Second offence, get your licence taken off you. I think first offence, really. You get the whole licence taken off you. What do you think? 08459 455 555 716, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now. 
08459 455 555 if you want to take part in the show. You might want to have your say on this story. An 82-year-old woman has been served with an eviction notice, not from her home, but from her bed at Milton Keynes Hospital. Joan Parker was admitted after a fall in February. She's been there ever since, mostly because she's got nowhere to go. Well, she's got out, she's got until tomorrow to vacate her bed at the hospital. Well, I'm joined this morning by uh, Joan. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Now, I know you've got a little bit of a problem with your throat. Yes. So you take it easy. If, yes. if it gets too hard to talk, you, you give the others a nudge. We're also joined by her son, Dave. Morning, Dave. Morning. Uh, and daughter-in-law, Pam. Good morning Good to morning. all of you. Thank you very much uh, for coming in. Pam, can we, can we start with you? I mean, no, how long has Joan been in the hospital for? She's been in since February when she had a head injury. Right. Um, there's obviously been lots of disputes about that, but that's not what we're here today to yeah. talk about. Um, and since then, we've been trying to get her suitable accommodation. OK, so she was... She had a flat, is that right? She had a um, three-bedroom uh, three right. um, house, yeah. of which now it was only a, sh- a shared ownership. OK. And now a lovely family has bought it, so they've benefited okay. from it that are going in there. And, Joan, I, I was hearing that you um, were, were a bit scared to go back into that house, is that oh right? Why, why were you scared about that? <laughs> Yeah, because you had a nasty fall, didn't you? And so you were having nightmares about all the blood yes, and, and yes. all of that. Did you try... You went back to get some stuff? Yes. What was that like? Terrible. Yeah. I couldn't play school in again. No, of course not. Uh, so, Dave, how has this progressed? What's, Jonah stayed in the hospital. Yes. Uh, if you could just get a little bit closer to that microphone. Okay. Turn that. There we go, that's it, thank you. Jonah stayed in the hospital, um, and what options are there for, for places to move to? Well, it's very limited. I mean, we've been in contact with Milton Keynes Council. Uh, we've been in contact with some of the private sheltered housings. And my mum wants to remain as independent as she can. She doesn't want to go into a care home. She wants sheltered housing. Uh, so we've been on the waiting list with the council. We've been... Uh, there's two private ones in Milton Keynes, uh, Willan and at Shenley, which both have very extensive waiting lists. How long is that, uh, are those waiting uh, lists? I know the one at Shenley is three years. Wow. The one at Willan, we haven't got a definitive figure. It's just when it's just, someone moves yeah, out or moves yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple of private ones, or, or sheltered houses that are privately owned in Milton Keynes, but they... They don't belong to the council, I believe, but they're still the places are still allocated by the council system. Okay. So the, the council have offered some places, haven't they? They they offered Joan. they've offered a th- well two places and one additional possibility, um, one in a very high crime rate, which the Milton Keynes Hospital agreed she should not go to. Right. As she's obviously vulnerable, what's happened, and then a bed sit as well, additional bed sit in a different area. However, um, when we got there, it was a complete wreck. Mm. Um, Nothing had happened in it, it was being refitted. And my mum, because of the nightmares, which obviously she has mostly at night, feels that she needs to get up, shut the door, move around, go make a cup of tea, watch some telly, listen to your radio station. Um, and just needs really to have the ability of getting away, whereas obviously in a bed set, she can't. Yeah. It's a, literally a one-room flat. Who's, who do you point the blame at in this situation? I think uh, uh, currently, obviously, we're, you know, we're looking for Milton Keynes Council. I mean, we, we're at a point of crisis. Obviously, my mum is homeless as of Friday. Um, you know, 
we, we're just desperate mm. you know we, we have nowhere else to go um, if there was somewhere available you know we're on every waiting list we can be on we're on the waiting list with the Guinness Trust as well um, we, we, we rung Milton Keynes Housing Department yesterday we left nine or ten messages Pam you want to come in yeah I do because um, they did make a statement there's been lots of statements flying about now from all sorts of people how much help we're getting yeah and um, and that's why Joan has her own um, uh, Facebook as well now and and over 300 supporters some from Australia or you you know Caribbean everywhere supporting her however uh, there was a statement said yesterday by the council to the citizen and I think you've got it as well, saying they are working very closely with this family. Right. Since the eviction notice on Friday, we have not spoken to one person from Milton Keynes Council. We left nine messages yesterday on their answer machines. The citizen then advised us to go through their main board switchboard, yep. which then s- says if you ask for housing, because you have to speak it, if you ask for housing, it says we're putting you f- through to housing repair now. Okay. So we we've got, got we've got the statement here. This is from Milton Keynes. Let me just yeah. read bits of it. We we know that Mrs. Parker has been through a difficult time. We've been working with the family to meet Mrs. Parker's housing needs. We remain committed to ensuring that Mrs. Parker has a new home to go to when she has to leave the hospital, and she will have a further similar selection of sheltered housing to choose from, including a formal offer made this week for a flat in Woburn Sands. Well, they've not spoke to us. It's now Thursday. Right. So how do you expect an 82-year-old lady that her all her stuff is in storage to actually move out of Milton Keynes Hospital on Friday and to get somebody to move us, if there's anyone out there that would like to help, somebody to move us into a place by Friday? Because mm. And we don't know legally what Milton Keynes Hospital can do. Mm. You know, do we then on Friday just suddenly she's got nowhere to live the the house, housing is Thursday now. You know, speak yeah. to us, somebody from housing. Joan, how is all this making you feel? Well, I did my sleeping bag and sleep outside. <laughs> Listen, if you need to, you can keep yeah. on the floor here, love. Don't worry. We, 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 as long as we can hoover around you, you'll be fine. <laughs> this must be making you quite anxious and upset. It is. It? Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's making me quite Yeah, I can tell. The statement goes on. If Mrs Parker does not wish to live in any of the council shelter properties from the selection offered, she will have independent financial means from the sale of her own home and we will be happy to assist her to find a suitable alternative in the private sector. Dave, what's your reaction to Uh, that? What I would say to that is my mum's property that is currently going through the legal process of being sold is a shared ownership. My mum owns 30% of that property. So my mum doesn't own a property outright and the funds that she will have at the end of that don't come anywhere near being able to purchase anywhere mm. you know so we just we're just not in the same ballpark i'm gonna put a question to you this isn't coming from me but i know some of our yeah, listeners yeah, will yeah. be thinking this why doesn't she live with you because we live in a split level house um, we have more stairs if anything than her house at home and um the op- the occupational health departments have said it's not suitable for her so what happens what happens tomorrow that's a very good question that's the question we've been asking all week mm. you, you literally don't know we don't or, know or, or you, f- you literally uh, don't know and how does a hospital i mean oh, you'd agree wouldn't you the hospital is not the right place well, it, for no, her to be we, in. we agree i mean you know bearing in mind everything that's happened to my mum in milk Keynes hospital believe me that is the last place we wanted to be 
really is. But, sure, you know, we can all quote legal obligations. We can, you know, quote that we've fulfilled our legal obligations to my mum. But ultimately, surely to God, there's a moral obligation here as well. Is there an option, and, and Dave or Pam, you can answer uh, uh, this, for um, a, a, a care home at all? And I can see that Joan is completely independent and she's a tough old so-and-so. Uh, you don't fancy a care home. <laughs> Not at all. i tell you what would happen. Go on. No way. <laughs> she, she actually got told off in Milton Keynes Hospital. But the viewers need to know that on Coffee Hall, she was a, a character there because for many years she's worked for Milton Keynes Council. That's the ironic thing. Hmm. And she's looked after the elderly and she was a sheltered housing there on Coffee Hall. Yeah. So in the hospital, actually, she has had a little tap on the hand because one day she started to help a patient get dressed. Joan. And she was told off for that, wasn't Naughty you? Joan. Naughty. Yes. So um, she feels she wants to live independent and surely, surely to give a lady, you know, D- Dave's dad fought for the war. He's a, you know, hero and everything of that. And, and then suddenly to know that this lady now is left on her own with cancer, can't talk. You know, the cancer, thank God, is, is um, fine now. But, you know, she can't talk for her. So she just wants a one bedroom place yeah. where she can live happily in a sheltered housing so she feels other people around her i want to be able to cook cook are you, are you a good cook good cook what's what's your best dish joan what, what do you like doing cakes <laughs> oh, gonna put- listen you want to you, where, where are the cakes today joan you've not brought any with you what's going on listen you said dave there said you like listening to three counties radio can i ask who's who's your favorite i like everyone <laughs> who's uh, i want a definitive answer joan. is it do you prefer me or do you prefer jvs Exactly. JVS gets a bit bogged down, doesn't he? Joan, listen, I know it's an effort to come in this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, Maybe we'll speak to you tomorrow, certainly next week, to find out what what happens. Uh, Dave, uh, Pam, thank you very much indeed. Do keep in touch with us. Hopefully, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck that that, that you get to a a conclusion that's happy for everybody. Joan, I wish you lots of luck. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Next time you come in, I want a nice cake, please. Thank get you. the council to speak to us okay please i'm sure they're listening so thank you very much indeed oh eight four five nine four double five five double five if you want to have your say on that across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio i do apologize and yes yes i left the fader open that time i did i did leave the fader open that time sorry 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 lee Left a fader open. Uh, and also, I was strolling back down the hallway thinking, why has it gone all quiet? Oh, blimey. Jane's finished. I do apologise. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call later on in the show. Right? But lies and secrets that you've told to your partner, please. Uh, lies and secrets. Um, um, oh, hang on a second. I'm getting uh, lots of... Uh Hang on a second. Fibs, Ian, I can beat your listener with the recycle cards. Many years ago on St Valentine's, a national paper gave away a plastic rose. I bought the paper, threw it away, and gave the wife the rose. She loved it. Oh, Bill, you're all so tight. You're all so tight. Stephen uh, is a liar and he lives in Bedford. Morning, Stephen. Oh, I don't live in Bedford. I live in Lecturer. I work in Bedford. You liar. I lie about everything. Exactly. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, I, the reason we're talking about this is I have spent... Th- it seems a bargain to me. 30 quid for 200 7-inch vinyl records, all from the 60s, and I bought them on a whim, 
and now my, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, and I, I kind of, was, I will bring some of them in, definitely, yes. We'll, bring, we'll play a selection from them. We'll do a whole show where we just play records from, from my collection. There we go. Uh, I, I can write it off as a t- for tax now, wonderful. Um, but she, I, I'm going to hide them. I'm going to hide them from my wife. What, what, what lies have you told, Stephen? Oh, be a bit more careful than I was. This goes back about... 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember them. They bought out um, the first Pokemon games and they bought out a special limited edition Game Boy. It was a red one and had the Pokemon thing on it. And at the time I was with this woman who wasn't the mother of my son because he lived at home with his mother. And so he wanted this and she didn't want me to get it because she didn't want me to spend that sort of money on a present for him. So I thought, well, I'm going to get it for him. So what I did... I went and bought it. Yeah. I went and saw my mate as a postman. You know, got, you know those letters they put for your door saying, oh, we missed you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got one, I filled it out, and as I come in the door, I just slipped it in the letterbox, and then when I come in, I went, oh, look what, what's this? Oh, look, I've won a prize at town. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I went, I went up town uh, and got it for him, and he was all happy. And so you, bought, you bought a present, got to catch them all, you bought a present that your wife wouldn't have approved of, and you pretended that you'd won a competition. No, it, it, was a, it was a partner, and she's, she's, a, she's a whole woman. Anyway, oh. it's a different story. It's a, different it's a whole story. different story. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. Lies you have told to your partners, please. We all do it. We all do it. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Getting in some texts and emails on uh, Joan, who we just had in. Joan, an uh, 82-year-old woman. She's been living in Milton Keynes Hospital since February. She's going to be evicted tomorrow. Well, this, well let, let me read these, and you, you make of these as you want. You can have your comment on these. Lenny Milton Keane says, Homeless mum, but her son hasn't offered to have her live with him. They are playing the game to try and get a place for free. Why isn't her son helping her move as well? I bet they have more interviews and PR arranged today. Cold and cynical? Or fair? 08459 I've got a couple of emails as well. Ian Murphy sent two in. That old lady should go and live with her son. Sounds like they don't want the hassle, selfish sods. He then sent another one in. Let's hold the council to ransom, put her in a home. It's a tough one, isn't it? It, it? it really is a tough one. I, slightly different situation. My mum's in a home. She's not very well. And I had to, my sister and I had to make the decision to put her in a home. I looked at every other option, including me moving back in with her, her coming to live with me converting her house so everything was couldn't do it couldn't do it her living with me would have been impossible does that make me a bad son because i chose to put her in a home rather than have her come and live with me it's not always that easy ian Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. it's a tough situation isn't it i, I I'm, I'm so glad i don't have to make that decision or be part of that decision making process on the subject of um, the, the cool runnings the restaurant the caribbean restaurant in wickham go and have a look at the pictures on facebook it's had a huge trench dug out the front it's incredible facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr well scott de doesn't agree he says it's not that bad it's got a little bit harsh i think sir jules says it's disgusting what happened to health and safety William, I hope he's got a good solicitor. Carolyn says, what a ridiculous thing to do. How could the electricity people think it was okay to leave it like it? It is an amazing trench. It's not even an electricity problem in Elroy's restaurant. 
It's the bloke next door. They've dug up the entire road. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, they usually put a metal bridge thing across or something. Has that not been done? He should get compensation for loss of earnings. Or is this story not all it seems? Are we seeing selected pictures from certain points in time? Gary, good for you. Good for you for questioning the information you're being presented with. That's what we should all be doing. Well done. Uh, and Lee says compensation and a public or, uh, apology is in order ASAP. 08459 four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. We're also this morning talking uh, about drink driving. I'm really of the mind, and it's slightly problematic, but it's not too problematic that we couldn't work around it if we put our minds to it. I do believe zero-tolerance policy on drink driving. That way nobody's confused. Because if you know you're not supposed to have a drink, then you know what the limit is. 08459 four double five five double five. You would have to have a small... I don't know what the the percentage is at the moment. I don't know what the figures are. There would have to be a very small amount of leeway to uh, accommodate things like mouthwash with alcohol in or um, desserts with booze in. But that would be it. Not to be having your say uh, on uh, Facebook here. Jules says, I agree, no alcohol to drive. Drake says, realistically, a little allowance as alcohol can be present in your body for some time. But I agree. If you go out and you're driving, just don't drink. Now, Ian, where am I on that online ambassador? Oh, it makes a good point. An online ambassador. I hadn't thought of that. We are giving away. This is an ongoing campaign. We are giving away uh, ambassadorships for towns and villages within Beds, Hearts and Bucks, and also kingships and queenships, if you want to take part. Catherine, you're You've got itching. a text in from the King of Bedfordshire. Oh, have I? Have I? What's He's he not available to, to speak in person. He has engagement. OK. What's... Well, uh, this is from Jay. Shall I read it to you? Yes, please. Hello, all. King of Bedfordshire here. Well done. No Good morning. No chances on drink hey, hang drive. on, hang on, hang on. We have, to, we have to stand up, don't we, Melinda? Yeah, thing. yeah, I'm getting the thing. I have to get, get in the thing. Right, so hang on a second. Oh, dearie me. Right, OK, so let's have this. I imagine it's got something to no. do with uh, grot bags. Wrong button. Put that ruddy thing away. Wrong button. I do. No. This is Jonathan uh, Vernon no. Smith. Call me no. at nine o'clock for Are you serious? Yeah. No. Now in the... Oh, right. Hang on. Having no, hang on. Put that ruddy thing away. There it is. Got it. Right, go. Go. Do, do it while the fanfare's playing. Others will be afraid. And salute. Greetings, minions. King of Bedfordshire here. No chances on drink drive... Is this how I imagine he speaks? No chances on drink drive is what I want to happen. And also, just to let you know, well done to the Ford driver changing his tyre on the busway. <laughs> yes, another car on the busway. What a plonker. Good show this morning from King Thank Jay. you, Your Majesty. You, well, done. well done. Well done. Oh. Can we, we... We need to get... This busway thing is great, because this is happening pretty much every day. Someone driving down the busway or changing their tyres. We need to get some pictures of this. We want a photo montage of this. Maybe we should send Justin there for the whole morning to monitor what really goes on on the busway behind the scenes behind the, the scenes busway. of the Luton busway Luton let's do that now if you don't know these uh, kingships queenships and these ambassadorships we are giving them out the ambassadorships they stay for a year okay then you have to have, be re-elected the king or queenships there can be uh, uh, you, you can oust the existing king or queen if you so want Kelly Betts has got the full list of uh, ambassadorships so we'll read that out in a second if you do want one you have to phone up and claim it. 08459 
four double five five double five. We will not take email or Facebook applications because it would just imply to me that you're not fully dedicated to the cause. Okay, if you can't be bothered to make the phone call, then really, how will you be serving your people? And we will at some point be asking you to serve your people. We might get you to stand outside like little or something while people come and give you their problems or you stamp documents. I don't quite know. We haven't really thought this through properly, have we, uh, Catherine? It's kind of happening as a spontaneous... Yeah, yeah, I like the way it's flowing. It's flowing, isn't it? It's flowing uncontrollably. Uh, uh, Oh, we've got a caller coming in on drink driving. We'll do that in a second. Um, Kelly, can we get the list of ambassadors? I've got it. I can see it. Oh, God, you you read it out. Go on. Jay, the bus driver, is king of Bedfordshire. Well done. Colin is the ambassador of Dunstable. I wonder if Derek's had his papers print, uh, done. Well, he needs to, otherwise he's out. Joyce, we gave an honorary ladyship. I'm not sure where of. Uh, Dunstable, that was Dunstable, wasn't yep, it? Yep, yep. And Paul is the ambassador of Leighton Buzzage. Remember him? He's the one who he was, was yeah. inside and started um, writing to his now wife as a pen friend. Oh, yeah, 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 he was good. He's got a criminal record, and that shows that we're not prejudiced here. And we've got the question mark over Luan. Well, hang on a minute. Luan wanted to be... What did she want to be? She wanted to be the ambassador for Amptil. Right, OK. And she, she had to... problems. She had to abort the, the, the phone call. She had to take her kids, kids to school. What a cop-out. She said, oh, I'll phone back tomorrow. That was yesterday. Where is she? Oué Luan. Luan sans... La radio. I tell you where she probably is. Flitic, and this is my problem. Go on. She's not from Amptil. What? Yes. Oh. She has history there. Her parents are from Amptil. I think she was born no, there. No, no, no. Does it work no, that no. way? Well, no, we're not having any of this. For goodness sakes. Talking about this, Joe's in Letchworth. Morning, Joe. <laughs> Morning, Ian. How are you? Oh, there was a cough there. We'll have that for the cough montage. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Joe, what can I do for you? Uh, one would like to be uh, appointed the King of Hearts. <laughs> oh, what a great title when you and say would, it like I, that. I would like to have Lady Catherine as my queen. Whoa, hang on a second, it's getting mucky. Is that just because my skirt blew up? <laughs> I know it works for um, <laughs> the Duchess of Cambridge, but it doesn't wash with me, Joe. Oh, well. <laughs> well, 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 listen, you cut hands off Catherine. She's, she's independent. You can't have any of that, um, except at weekends. But what makes you think you'd be good as the king, Joe? I think I have all the attributes to, uh, to, to, to lead one's people through good times and bad. Fair okay. enough, he's proper posh. He's got it. He's got the gig. What, what is it? So we need, it's the king, king or queen of bucks we're looking for now, isn't it? I think that's the last we one. We need a queen, actually. We've, only, we've oh, got yeah, two we kings. We've got queen of beds. What? No, we did, that, that's up to them to find their own partners. We, they, we got, we got the king. We got the king. We need the queen of bucks or, or a, king, a king of bucks. And then what's go- Joe? At some point, <clears throat> it's a cough there. Thanks. Thank you. <coughs> then there's oh. one. Oh, Joe. At some point, yes. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, in, in, condone violence or anything. But at some point, if you wanted to declare war on the king of beds, you'd be more than able to do that within the rules. I don't think I don't think uh, a king of sound mind and judgment would, would, would do such a thing unless he was forced. <laughs> unless he was forced. Am I putting Joe on the list? Joe is the king of hearts. Right. Fantastic. This could get nasty. Wars will be declared. Uh, John, stay there. We'll talk to you in a second. I know you want to make a serious point about drink driving, and I think it deserves a little bit, to- little bit more time than I'd be able to give you. So we'll come to you after the travel and the news. It's 7.45. Right, let's get the latest weather. Here's Sarah. Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. She's not there, is she? Hang on a second, hang on a second. Oh dear, it's all gone pear-shaped. Luckily Melvin Bragg isn't listening to mung up and bang on about this. He'll be on. He will be. He's not been able to find any... Oh, I can see the weather on the telly. Oh, go on. Friday, cold and windy, weekend mostly dry, sunny spells. Thanks very much. 
is our number one priority at all times, both pairs to our underground network, following a recent power cut. And unfortunately, its location means that... That's the statement uh, regarding this story. We started playing that statement an hour ago, being read by Ewan Duncan there, uh, the statement from Southern Electric. It's still being played. To satisfaction. Well, let's get to the story, shall we? Uh, here at the Ian Lee Breakfast Show, we operate on an open-door policy, not literally. Not literally. Uh, oh, we'll do... Let me, let, you're right, let me do John first. I do apologise, John. I kept you waiting for so long, and uh, I, I won't keep you waiting any longer. Drink driving. Yes, how you doing, sir? Yeah, what would you like to say? Uh, well, when I first came to this country about seven years ago, I was an American. It was just... I'm sorry to hear that. Alien. No, I know, exactly. It was just quite alien, um, the fact that my colleagues... On my first day, they said, oh, we got to celebrate, let's go down to the pub. And uh, in my head, I thought, that's a bar. And uh, it is, technically, but they serve food, great food, a lot better than American bars. And uh, we went down, and a few of them ordered a pint or two. And they just thought it was normal. And then we hopped back in the car. And everything in my body thought, why the heck am I getting into a car with somebody who's just drunk alcohol? But after working there for three years or so, it... It was almost seen as a drink. You're going to go and have a cheeky drink with your burger at lunch. And it was... I never partook because I just thought it was strange. But they, they do uh, it in the States. And then I've seen people have a beer then hop in a car. Uh, you do, but you, it's not as... You, people don't... People do find it strange. It's not as readily acceptable as here. It's just it's not... What do you think, John? I, I do think it's slightly flawed and there would need to be a lot of work done on it, but zero tolerance. If you're having a drink, you don't drive a car. Simple. I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. There's, there's no need for it. It's like, there's a need for water. Everybody needs to stay hydrated, but you do not need to drink alcohol. You have just said the obvious thing that I have been struggling to come up with. Thank you. There is no need to have a drink. There is no need to have that beer or have that glass of wine. You don't need to. You don't need to. Your company is your enjoyment. You know, you make the evening however you want to make it. There is no need, really, for the consumption of alcohol, especially when you're going to hop behind a motor vehicle. John, thank you very much indeed. That's what I've been struggling to think of all morning, and John has expressed it wonderfully. This whole thing about zero tolerance, we can't have zero tolerance. What about the person who wants a glass of wine? Well, hang on a second. You don't need to have that glass of wine. You don't need it. You don't need to have that beer. It doesn't ruin an evening. 08459 455 505. Right, back to the story we were talking about there. Well, I, I love it when you give your stories to me. And, and we've had some so many great stories over the past couple of months that have come from you. You've sent me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, or you've phoned up the radio station, or you've texted in, and we've uh, looked and dug a little bit further and found a cracking story. This is no exception. Uh, we heard that High Wycombe resident Elroy Ray was losing business because of a dirty great trench that had been dug up directly outside his Caribbean takeaway service. Well, we, we thought we had to have a look at this. Now, Sophie Solera is our trench and Caribbean food correspondent, so this seemed like the ideal story for her. We sent her out. I'm one side of the, uh, the well, the trench. It looks like a trench. It's, there's about three foot high rubble on the pavement. There's paving slabs and drain pipes strewn across the pavement after that you've got this deep river of water which is going down by about four feet i'm on one side of it behind a barrier and i can see uh, a gentleman in the doorway of cool runnings caribbean takeaway on the other side 
Hi, sir. You must be Elroy. Yeah. We at present have got approximately three meters of rubble separating us. How, if I am a customer, am I going to get into your shop? See, I can't even hear you. That's how far you're away. But you're saying you won't get in. Excellent work there, Sophie. I'm hoping we can hear Elroy Ray a little bit better now because I believe he's on the telephone. Good morning, Elroy. Good morning, Ian. So, tell us what happened. When did you realise there was a massive great hole outside your restaurant? When I came in um, Monday morning, but I don't walk to the front of the shop. I came to the back. So after I finished preparing and um, went outside now to open the shop, that's when I realised that there's a big, massive hole. And this, we've got the pictures on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Describe what you saw and how you felt. I was devastated, to be honest. The thing is, this is the busiest time for us. This is the busiest time for us uh, at any time for the year. We do cakes, functions... No, I can't do that because I can't open the shop. How long has it been there so far, Elroy? Uh, since uh, when I spoke to Southern Electric, they told me that I came in about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to dig it up. Oh, wow, OK, right. So I said to them, why is it that there's not a notice through my uh, door stating the reason for doing this? And they're saying, that, oh, it's an emergency word. I don't need to send out anything. So I said, that's unacceptable. So why am I supposed to tell my customers now? Well, first of all, listen, normally when, when, when there is bits of road dug up, uh, there is a courtesy note that comes through the door maybe a week, two weeks before that says, look, just to let you know, we're going to be doing this work. If it was an emergency, as they say, well, they still should have posted something through the door to say, look, this is what's happening. Here's a phone number. You can call this phone number and you can discuss it with our team. You're saying there was nothing like that? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And up till this blessed day, I haven't got a call to apologise for any sort of inconvenience. I have to be tracing them up, and I keep on getting the runaround. As I can see, the pictures that I've sent to you, all I did was send guys out to take pictures. But the thing what, that I can't actually understand, the problem is not in front of my shop. It's the actual next door. But yet still, Southern Electric have sought out walkway that they can actually trade. And I'm closed down. I'm the only person that is closed. So have they not offered you, like, a little bridge or, 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 or anything like that, a drawbridge? Yeah, nothing at all. And this is affecting your business, isn't it? You, you, it is affecting my business, yes. No one can get in. You've, you've lost money, haven't you? How much do you reckon you're losing? At this point in time, it's going into £4,000. Just what you need in the run-up to Christmas, isn't it? This is the busiest time for us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, th- this must be worrying you. Have they told you how long it's going to take? They haven't told me how long it's going to take, but they've got a notice outside stating that it's going to carry on for six days. I even notified the council and said, look, this is unacceptable. Why is it that my shop is blocked off? The council says it has nothing to do with them. All um, Southern Electric did was send them in uh, something for permission to dig up the, 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 the sidewalk. The thing is, Elroy, if you went out t- to the front of the Southern Electric offices and set up a little stall selling your Caribbean food and it prevented them from getting in and out of their office... They would have me removed straight away. Wouldn't they just? Yes. Wouldn't they just? And yet they come and do this to you. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know quite know what we can do. I, su- I suggest you get back in touch with, with the council again, Elroy, uh, and, and, and really try and, you well, know... Let's talk to them. They said they, they have no control over it. All they did was grant them the permission to... It's their the pavement! Road. It's their pavement! Of course they've got control over it! 
Well, I'm getting, I, I'm getting angry on your behalf now. Blimey. I can imagine what this is doing to you. Uh, right, listen, let's give the restaurant a big plug, OK? Uh, uh, and so, that, so that people know where it is, and once they can get in there, they c- come down and buy lots of food. So tell us exactly where it is. It's uh, 160 Desborough Road, just right beside our coral uh, betting shop. And what's your speciality, Elroy? chicken and rice. There you go, you see, of course. Listen, fantastic. Elroy, I I, I tell you what we'll do. I mean, there's not a lot we can do, but as soon as that pavement is cleared up and is fixed, let us know and we'll we'll, we'll give you a big mention on the show, okay? Okay. Elroy, thank you very much indeed. I'm I'm getting angry at this. The council sale has nothing to do with us. Well, hang on, you're the council. It's your pavement. You gave them permission. This fella needs compensation. It it totally needs compensation. Go and have a look. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We did try and get Southern Electric onto the show to explain things. Safety is our number one priority. Yeah, they wouldn't. They sent us this statement. And our customers. The excavation in Desborough Road is to (laughs) allow us to carry out essential repairs. It goes on and on and on. A recent power cut. And unfortunately, its location means that safe access to the restaurant isn't currently possible. It just goes on and on. Unfortunately, it means safe access to the restaurant restaurant isn't possible that's not good enough that really isn't good enough is it oh eight four five nine four double five five double five go and look at uh, facebook as well facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr um mark says on the the plus side best free advertising this fellow's ever had well yeah if he's three or four grand down though um gary says they usually put a metal bridge or something uh, compensation says marion if he can prove that his takings have been affected he can make a claim against them for the deficit uh, compensation and a public apology says lee uh, and steve says must be english workmen if they were polish it would be finished by now oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call on that if you've got a story that you'd like us to talk about. As I say, it can be a huge thing that affects the entire country, the county, or it can be a thing that just affects you. This fellow's shop is having to stay shut because people can't... I'm looking at the pictures now. It's a massive, deep trench. If you've got a story that you think we should be doing, uh, either on this show or, or BBC Three Counties in general, do drop us a line. You can, of course, call us 08459 455 555 if you want to get in touch with me directly. Uh, then send me an email, ian.lee. I spell Ian the proper way, I-A-I-N. There's the bonus I. I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. Even if you think, or oh, maybe they won't be interested in that, let us be the judges of that. And lots of times I've had stories that have been sent to us that haven't been right for this show, but they have been right for other shows. Uh, I sent some to uh, one to Chetan uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've sent a couple of things to Nick Coffer in the past. So t- they will get seen by people who can possibly help and make a difference. Morning, this is Ian Lee. I've just been sent an incredible picture from John, thank you, John, of a car that's been crushed... On the Milton Keynes, uh, the Milton Keynes, on the Luton to Dunstable busway. There's, there's a story in this. We need to look into this. We're hearing that at least once a day, a car or another vehicle is driving down the busway. And this picture from John is just amazing. We'll look into that. There's a story there, don't you worry. As for today, lots of stuff to talk about, including Bedfordshire's got a new world record holder. Yes! 
It's home to Britain's drunkest driver, eight times over the limit. Isn't it time we just had a zero-tolerance policy on drink driving now? A Milton Keynes pensioner is facing eviction from her hospital bed. It's partly because she has nowhere to go, and partly because her family are turning down what the council's offering. A lot of you saying she should move in with the family. It's not always possible. And secrets and lies. I've just bought 200 vinyl 7-inch records. 30 quid. Beautiful. I haven't told my wife. She's going to murder me. What secrets and lies have you kept from your partner? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire, famous for a number of things. John Bunyan, Luton Town, Clangers, the pastry kind, and now Britain's drunkest driver. Britain's drunkest driver. Don't have that person's name, but I hope they are hanging their head in shame. Not wearing it like a badge of merit. According to the latest police authority figures... Beds caught someone driving eight times over the legal limit. I would have thought eight times over the legal limit would mean you are dead. And I do think, surely we need to toughen up on drink driving all year round. One death because of it is too many. Zero tolerance. It's got to be the way forward. Justin, I know there are. it would be hard to enforce, but there are mm. ways around that you'd have a very, very slight um, kind of uh, leeway for people who had a boozy pudding or a mouthwash. But basically, if you have a drink, you don't sit behind the driving wheel in a car. No, Simple. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. That night, I think the major problem, of course, Ian, is going to be the next morning. If you've had three or four pints uh, the night before and you've got a taxi home, you've done the right thing, and then you go to drive the next morning, you could potentially be over the limit, even though you think you're not. So I just think there's, it will be very, very hard to police. But I have been talking to motorists this morning. The majority do agree with you. Here's what they had to say. Caroline, what do you think? Should we uh, not even be allowed one drink? I don't think so, I'll be honest. I think there should be zero tolerance. Because you never know who steps out in front of you and your response time might be as quick as it should be. And what about yourself? Do you not even have one and drive? No, never. And what's your thoughts on those people who go to the pub and get in their car and drive home, despite how many drinks they've had? It's very stupid. I mean, you never, as I said, you don't know who's on the road, you don't know what's going to step out in front of you. And, and it's stupid. Why, why train all that time to get a licence and then do that you know it's really silly no i think mainly it's getting to work in the morning that if somebody's had maybe a little bit too much the night before they would never be sure whether they were quite safe to drive in the morning so what do you do so by going zero tolerance it would effectively just create a, a mess and confusion yeah i think so yeah especially christmas coming into christmas there'd be people that probably would never drink normally and they'd probably go to the christmas party and probably have to go somewhere to meet relatives in the morning um yeah, it's a little bit unfair on them. I suppose so, in an ideal world, but how many people would really stick to that? I don't know. Morning, sir. What's your thoughts on this? Should we have a zero tolerance in this country, not even one drink? Not even one drink. In fact, your responsibility, yeah, because you don't know, I mean, that uh, what's your mental level on that time. Maybe you are happy and you drive so much fast, you can't control your car. I mean, that, that's the thing. Well, he makes a good point, the fella at the end. I just, I just do think, if you've had a drink, 
you don't drive and if you and if mm. uh, we need to maybe everyone should have their own little portable breathalyzer so you can test yourself the next morning but then again how accurate are they going to be because they're not going to be a hundred percent accurate are they i'm going to tell you one thing right now on. which i think will shock you i know somebody in the last year who was caught for drink driving they got a, a six-month ban i believe now they were worried about going back onto the roads and and insurance they were worried their premium would, would go through the roof as it turns out they shopped around and their insurance was pretty much half the price what? of what they paid before what yes Justin, thank you very much indeed. And Justin, I, I, I remind me before nine o'clock. I want to speak to you about records. Yes, thank you very much. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Andrew Missell is from uh, Alcohol Concern. Good morning, Andrew. Morning. Zero tolerance. What do you reckon? Well, we have called. In fact, we called earlier this week for dropping the drink drive limit in this country. I mean, uh, it's a bit complicated, but drink drive limits are generally described in terms of milligrams of alcohol per 100 millilitres. The limit in this country is 80. Uh, They have the same limit in the United States, but that is unusually high. Most of Europe is around 50. Some countries set it at 20, and some do actually set it at zero. There is a a slight problem there, which I think has been hinted at earlier on, in that... uh, an absolute zero limit uh, means that you could catch someone who just happened to have some alcohol in some food. You, you or something. need a little buffer, don't you? A very slight little buffer that could compensate for alcohol in food or a mouthwash or something like that. I, I think you do. I mean, I don't know what they do in these countries. There's mostly places in Eastern Europe that've got a, a zero limit. But I think w- whatever the, the blood alcohol limit is set at, and we've advocated dropping it down from 80 to 50, which is what's common in the in, in the rest of Europe. But I think w- whatever the limit is. Um, you, the, the, the only sensible message, really, is, is just don't have a drink if you're planning on getting in your car, uh, certainly in the next few hours. What does 80... I don't drink anymore. What does 80 mean and what does 50 mean in real terms? How many pints or glasses uh, of wine is that? It, it's difficult. I mean, the, the, the figure that's thrown around is that um, the 80 milligram limit means that an average-sized man could have two pints of beer and still drive wow. legally. Now, we, we know from research and surveys that there are... There are a certain percentage of people out there who try to drink up to the limit. But, I I mean, I would certainly say I wouldn't want to drink after one pint. And I think any of you listeners, you think about it, the state you're in after two pints of beer or two glasses of wine, um, you're not in a fit state to drive. Well, Andrew, you say that. There will be people listening, and I'm sure they're, they're picking up their phones and dialing now, saying, well, hang on a second, Andrew. You might not be able to handle two pints, but after two pints, I, I drive not only as, as well as normal, some people even say they drive better after two pints. Oh, I love these super-confident drivers. I mean, the, the, this is the thing about alcohol. It's a bit like if you've ever seen someone trying to play guitar at a party. You know, they have a few drinks, and suddenly they think they're Jimmy Hendrix. You, the thing about alcohol is it, it, it produces two effects. A sedative effect, so it makes you sleepy, makes you less coordinated. But on the other hand, it increases uh, your sense of happiness and confidence. So whilst being less able to do the job in hand, you feel that you know, suddenly you're some kind of expert. So whilst you might think that you're driving along very safely, anyone watching you from the outside could clearly see that you're not. We've got a, a, a tweet here from The Quadrant, who do enjoy tweeting me and uh, winding me up. The Quadrant say, What Ian Lee has overlooked with his campaign is drivers might unfairly fail a breath test if they'd had a skimful the night before. Well, no, they wouldn't unfairly fail uh, their breath test. They'd fail it fairly. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's an interesting piece of research out today, I think, by one of the insurance companies, and they came up with a, a rather neat figure that if you had, uh, I think, six glasses of wine and you started driving um, uh, ten hours after that, you, you'd still have another five hours before you were actually safe to drive. Now, obviously, that's a little bit finger in the air, but if you think about it, um, uh, there are ten units in a bottle of wine, ten units of alcohol in a bottle of wine, roughly, your body can only process um, one unit an hour. So you are not, from the time when you start drinking that bottle of wine, you are not going to be sober until 10 hours afterwards. Now, you think about it, if you're having a, a bit of a session, maybe out with your mates or in the house, you finish around midnight, you've got to get up at 7 or 8 and go to work, you're still drunk. You might feel refreshed because you've woken up, had a shower and a cup of coffee, but you're still drunk and certainly too drunk to be on the roads. Andrew, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Andrew Mizzle from uh, Alcohol Concern, 08459 455 555. I'm not saying don't drink. Drink as much as you want. Just don't get into a car and drive it. John's in Luton. It makes sense, doesn't it, John? No, it doesn't, actually, boss. Oh, go on. Um, well, yesterday it was smoking. Again, now today it's drinking. Right. No, yesterday I was saying that people should be allowed to smoke, so... Yeah, okay, but the thing is, you go into any shop, Yes. now it's all covered over, you can't see the cigarettes that you want to purchase. John, with the greatest respect, we were talking, and by the way, uh, it's just been announced that David Cameron is going to introduce uh, plain packaging on cigarettes, which I think is a great idea. But cigarettes were yesterday, John, we're talking about alcohol today. Yeah, yeah, right, that's what I'm coming up to, but yesterday, um, on cigarettes, it's all covered over now, it's against the law to show cigarettes. So, right... Let's do it with the alcohol, the spirits. Let's all cover it up, and you can only be served by a certain person. You can't. Who, who's have, who's you that can't... person? What's their name? No, no, no. A uh, person, oh. a, t- a, 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 a till. You a can only till. be served like cigarettes. You've, you've not thought this through, have you, John? I have. Okay. Yes, I have, because it's getting on my nerves regarding like, cigarettes being covered up. We're not talking about cigarettes, but te- te- John. But you go into Tesco's in Dunstable, yes. there are all the drinks are right in front of you, and it gives you encouragement to go in there, get oh, we'll get, uh, we'll get four um, big cases of these. Yeah, yes. drink, 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 drink. Yes. They didn't give a two hoots about getting into a car, going along the road... Right. Tipsy. Can we can we just say can we just them. can we just say right? Tesco's are not in any way encouraging drink driving. Let's just make that clear. They, well, are. they are because no, they, no, they are. Yes, no, they are. They're not, John. Right in front of the doorway. John, John, for legal reasons, to cover my backside and to cover your backside, I have to say this: Tesco. It, it, it is ridiculous to imply that Tesco are encouraging drink driving. They're not. No, they're they're oh, encouraging. No. They're encouraging people to buy drinks. Of course they are. That is their business. And you wouldn't begrudge them that, would you? Well, if it's going to if it's going to do damage or, or injury to somebody else, stop cover up the drinks so it doesn't encourage people to go in and get a can of beer or a bottle of wine to go and drink, then drive. But I think I think we're almost on the same side here. You just haven't realised it yet. You're against drink driving. Totally. So a zero limit. So if someone has one glass, small glass of red wine, they're not allowed to drive. No, no, they shouldn't. John, excellent point. Badly made. Good morning, JVS. Hello there. We're just sorting out my career. Thank you very much indeed for the advice. <laughs> it's always gratefully appreciated. Look at you in your black shirt. Yeah, I've got my jersey with me again. Like the milk tray man. Hey, we've got grey jumpers, look. Yeah, we have. Look at us. We're the grey jumper gang. We are matching. Hey, I've, I've heard rumours... That we're doing another Christmas 
I've heard rumours as well that we're doing Festive face-off. A festive face-off like last year. Well, you, you say last year. Last year, of course, we had the excellent producer, Laura, who since left to have a baby. Mm-hmm. This year, we've got blooming breathy heavy, heavy hands over there. Oh, gosh. C- uh, Catherine Boyle is Lucky, produced. lucky boys. Does she know uh, how much controlling we took last year? It was, it was a little bit. It was a little bit, It yes. was a bit. Uh, we had poppers in the studio. What? <laughs> <laughs> We have well, poppers in the listen, studio. Listen, they will not be happening on my watch. <laughs> we did, didn't we? We had, we had great fun. We, we got, did. You brought yes. some poppers. We yes. were sharing each other's poppers. Oh, right. Yes. It was lots... It was lot, it got, once, once the poppers came out, <laughs> it got a little bit raucous, didn't it? <laughs> it did, yes. Did it? Kelly Vets? You had a um, potato gun as well. We had, we had poppers and guns. Listen, <laughs> there'll be no missiles this year. <laughs> Rules. And JVS bought his keyboard. <laughs> I did bring my keyboard. You bought your ukulele, yeah, didn't that's you? That's happening again. That will happen again. Oh, really? so basically, you're, oh. you're just going to recycle what we did last year. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe last year. But maybe do it, you know, sort of good. Gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you bring the poppers. I'll bring the guns. Oh, it's always the way. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, have you got a heavy topic? Do I need to press some music, or can we go well, straight into no, it? No, I'm am c- continuing your topic this oh, morning because I've been very interested. I've got to be honest, Ian. I mean, yes. you and I we agree on an awful lot of things. I'm not sure we agree on this today. Yeah. Uh, from nine this morning, would you be happy with a zero tolerance approach to drink driving? Now, yes, clearly I would. you would. Yes, I would. Bedfordshire police have caught someone driving uh, over eight times the legal alcohol limit. I'm going out this afternoon. I try and beat it. I, no, no. no. I, I'm going out with Bedfordshire police in oh. the back of the uh, the traffic car. Oh, are you? Oh, that I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, so I might get to see some of these drink drivers this afternoon. Yep. Thames Valley, Hertfordshire, and Bedfordshire all make the top ten nationally when it comes to the number of drunk drivers caught since 2011. But is zero tolerance the answer? I'll tell you why. I'm not so keen on a zero tolerance approach because I mean we all want to stop drunk drivers don't we yes we want to stop people who are drunk driving a car this bloke I mean clearly he's an idiot eight times over the drink drive limit he must have been virtually paralytic eight times that's incredible isn't it four times you're really drunk really really drunk so eight times I mean presumably you could hardly walk Uh, it's outrageous and we all want to stop people like that yes we do why should we have to stop people who just want a little Pinot Grigio with their Quattrofamaggi at seven o'clock in the evening and then they drive home four hours later? They're not the problem, are they? We don't know. Well, Every- they, well they're not, are ev- they? I mean, everyone- they're not drunk drivers. No, but, uh, no, no, but the drunk drivers, it, 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 the, everyone reacts to alcohol differently and people react to alcohol differently at different times. Why do you need to have that glass of wine and then drive? If you know you're going to drive... Don't but, have the glass of wine. But surely laws and restrictions are supposed to be there to make our society safer. Yes. To make things better yes. for society. Yes. But if we're identifying the problem being the drunk driver, the person who, because of alcohol, is unable to drive a car safely, then surely we need to target them without targeting human beings who just take responsibility for themselves but and are reasonable. Is have, but, but, see, now what you're doing there is you are, you are saying, you're emphasising the word drunk drivers. I, I think it's anybody who's had a drink. Why is it uh, uh, responsible for someone to have a glass of wine that one day may not affect them at all, but another day may affect them completely differently, and then to get behind a car? 
car. If your reactions are slow by just even a bit, that could be enough to cause an accident. But there are all kinds of things that can affect somebody's ability to drive on any particular day. I mean, if you've had a bad day at work and you drive home, chances are you're thinking about your bad day. You're not yep. perhaps concentrating as much on the road as you would have done the day before when you had a good day at work. There are all kinds of things. Ban them. That Ban grumpy drivers. I, Do you know what I think I is the answer? Saying. I yes. think is the answer to this. I think we've got to have cars. The car manufacturers have got to take some responsibility for this as well, perhaps in conjunction with the alcohol industry. Yeah. And I think we've got to have some method of, before you can start a car, you have to breathe into a little breathalyzer on the dashboard. Why are you laughing at this? This is a good idea. You breathe, <laughs> you blow into the dashboard. You have to blow your car to get anywhere. You blow into the thing... <laughs> And then it says, beep, yes, you're okay, you're under the alcohol limit, you can then right. start the car and drive. Should I tell the obvious flaw in that? Someone else will blow into it. Thank you very much. Well, how many people are going to do that? You know, I'm, I'm, I've had four pints of beer and I say, oh, I'm probably a bit over the limit, Ian, can you blow into this? And you're not going <laughs> to... Be complicit in allowing me no, but, to drink drive, but, are you? But, but some people would do that. You, the, the responsibility isn't with the alcohol companies. It isn't with the car manufacturers. It's with you. The responsibility is with you and, to, and to not put yourself and other people in danger. And that's the point. And I am responsible. And I'm sure most people listening to this programme are responsible. And if they go out, they might have... You know what? You go out for a pub lunch, you might have a pint of shandy or something. It doesn't mean that you are Britain's biggest criminal does it the fact that you then drive home a couple of hours later and people like that should not be criminalized in my opinion it's the drunk drivers it just seems to me so obvious it makes it so simple if you have a drink of booze you don't drive a car why do you need to drive a car why do you need to have that drink i like going to country pubs I mean, here in Bedside, we've got beautiful country pubs in the middle of nowhere wonderful and you have to drive to get to them taxi when i go to a pub i quite like to drive to a pub I'll have a pint of beer, I'll have a chat with my friends or whoever I'm there. A few hours later, I'll drive home. Get a taxi. I don't have to get a taxi. Get why should I Why should I have to get a taxi just because s- some bloke in Bedford was eight times over the drink drive limit, was clearly a muppet, whether there had been a zero limit or not, he would still have got himself absolutely legless and then, then driven a car. Why should I and everyone else, who is a reasonable, rational human being, be restricted because of some plonker? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. I look, it's going to be. Li- listen, if, if we're falling out over this, I know. I don't, I don't want this to be a permanent blight on our relationship. It's going to be a feisty one. I look forward to listening to it. Good. Y- are you going to phone? I might. Am I allowed to phone you? Under show? different voices. <laughs> I might do. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's going to be a feisty one. If I can argue with him for six minutes, then just think, go to work on him on this one. Don't let him get away with this. Please. Please. Now, on to other things. We've been talking this morning about Joan Parker, who is set to be evicted from Milton Keynes Hospital tomorrow morning. Well, the 82-year-old says she has nowhere suitable to live. Lots of you have been getting in touch uh, with, with varying opinions. The majority, I, sa- I have to say, suggesting the family needs to, in inverted commas, take more responsibility. It's not always as simple as that. Anne Lark is from Age UK Milton Keynes and joins me on the line now to talk about the services available to elderly people when they come out of hospital. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. Uh, now, obviously, we can't talk about this specific case, but, yeah. but how much help is available for elderly people making a transition between hospital and home? There's quite a lot of help, actually. There's, um, I th- the problem is, is people knowing about it. 
um, the statutory services have helped, so intermediate care services from our primary care and from district nurses and, and, and support from GPs. But voluntary organisations and community sector uh, organisations like ours provide quite a lot of practical support. So things like um, sometimes you know it's just about confidence it's about people going back home and feeling a little bit nervous about going home particularly if you've had a fall um, and your fall's been at home um, and so go back into that same environment can be really quite worrying but it's also very practical things like shopping who's going to buy your bread and your milk and who's going to pop in to see that you're okay you know sometimes there's a medical follow-on and there's sometimes the personal care elements that need to be um, people need help with but sometimes there's this other, there's these other things to make you feel safe and confident about living back home Many families do find themselves, sadly, at a crossroads like this, that their mum or dad's home is no longer suitable, their parent doesn't want to go into a home, but they can't move in the, the family. Do sometimes people have to bite the bullet and, and, and make that, that sometimes uncomfortable move into a home? Sometimes. Sometimes it's not the right thing, and sometimes it is, you know. Um, and I think every case is individual, which is it's very difficult to talk about, you know, individual cases. Of course. Certainly this one we don't know enough about. Um, because it is a shocking headline, isn't it, um, about people being in hospital. So we, we hear the opposite sometimes, you know, where people are hurried out of hospital when they're not medically fit. And that's wrong too. But actually being in hospital when, when you are medically fit is not the right place to be. And, and certainly for older people, because the longer people are in hospital, th- there are more problems that arise. So finding somewhere suitable to live is really very important. And certainly hospital is not the place to be if you are well enough to be somewhere else. As a society, do we need to do more to help our elderly people after a long stay in hospital? It, it can be a tough transition, can't it? It can be a very, very difficult time. And it, it can be a deal-breaker, you know, in terms of people being uh, able to live independently. If we can get people out of hospital safely, and I think that's the key, is safely into back into their own homes if that's where they want to be, and they can be, or into a alternative accommodation we can do that safely then they're more able to those people are more able to live independently as they want to but the longer people are in hospital the more difficult that becomes so yes we do have to get better at this you know sometimes our problem is actually finding out the people that need the help you know we only know as an organization like other organizations know the people we know Um, We don't know the people we don't know, and there are probably people out there who do need support or would welcome some level of support and choose what they want because not everyone's the same. So what one person needs, another person doesn't. So we have to have this whole raft raft of services for people to choose from. But yes, we certainly need to do more. And finally, what about people who say, well, hang on a second, it's your mum, it's your dad, why aren't they moving in with you? What, What would you say to that? Oh, it sounds great, doesn't it? And I'm sure some people would say that's absolutely what we should happen. But it's not always possible for people to do. And it's not always the right thing for people to do. Um, we don't know. You know, we have this glossy view of what families are like. And, you know, some people, some families are incredibly supportive, but they're not a close by. Um, some families are working with grown-up children and have to work and not are there, not there all the time to take care of older parents. So it's not quite as straightforward as that, and it's not always the right decision. Not just for the families, but it's not always the right decision for the older person either. And thank you very much, Anne Lark from Age UK, Milton Keynes. If you want to have your say, 08459 455 555.
Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots to talk about in the last 30 minutes of the show, including drink driving and uh, a couple of interesting texts here about Elroy, who um, owns a Caribbean restaurant in Wickham. And there is a massive, great trench dug outside there by Southern Electric. It's massive. He's losing money. Loads of you uh, have uh, texted in. Um, Nick says, the, the trench outside that Caribbean restaurant, just a thought, is there a way through the pile of dirt or over it? If there's a fire in any neighbouring properties, is there a safe route for people to use? Sounds like it's definitely a case for health and safety or the fire service. Phil makes a good point. Am I the only one who thinks we should set JVS on Southern Electric? That's what we should do. Let's send it over to them, see if they want to have a little look at that. They might be interested uh, in that. On the subject of drunk driving, um, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR is the... Uh, t- you're right, actually. In fairness, we have just spoken about the, um, the, the Southern Electric story. We should, of course, uh, see if that statement has finished from Southern Electric. Priority at all times, both for our staff... No. Nope. Oh, Ewan's fallen down a hole! ...in Desborough Road is to allow us to carry out essential... Yet he still carries on with the statement. Thank you very much, Ewan. Uh, on drink driving, Matt Barrett says many countries have a zero tolerance access to the restaurant thank you he's out of the hole many countries have a zero tolerance limit for alcohol i think it's the right way to go unfortunately it'll never work for three reasons uh people will bleat it's their right to have one drink and it doesn't affect them yes it was you heard jvs bleating like that the pub industry has powerful lobbyists and pounds and will make sure the politicians know where their votes are coming from money and jobs if people stop driving to the pub or popping in for a swift one after work then yes pubs will be closed also the government will lose a lot of revenue but if you stand less chance of losing a loved one because of a drunk driver isn't that a price worth paying says matt well i think so let's see what john in biggleswade has to say morning john good morning john what would you like to say well i believe that i mean personally i drive um and when i'm going out with friends i will often offer to be the designated driver because i can have a good time without alcohol that that's easy for me to do yes but um i believe that there shouldn't be a a zero tolerance policy only because of products like mouthwash other alcoholic based products as well but um in this day and age we have a 20 minute rule where the police will ask um, have you had a drink within the last 20 minutes if you say yes that could invalidate the response that the breathalyzer has given it's the same with mouthwash if you've used mouthwash in the last 20 minutes you could have in fact you can invalidate the response from the the actual breathalyzer but it doesn't mean to say that people have to drink when they're out my own personal approach is i don't need to have a drink to have a good time why should anyone need to have a drink to have a good time uh, yes, you, you're right about that. You're right. I don't think people do need to have a drink. If you, if you need to have a drink to have a good time, then boy, you're in trouble. Uh, uh, but that there needs to be a slight margin of error, doesn't there? So that it would accommodate things like mouthwash. It would ac- accommodate you having a nice uh, tiramisu with a bit of booze in there or a nice sherry trifle. Well, I wouldn't uh, want to lose my license because I've got clean teeth. <laughs> so well, no, that would be rather unfortunate. But but the, 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 yeah. there would I mean the, the amount of alcohol that you have in your mouth after twenty minutes. You're right about the twenty minute rule. Uh, it, it is minimal, and you would have a margin of error that would allow for that and, and would accommodate that. Yes, that's correct. I mean, at the, at the moment, is it thirty five milligrams per? Oh, I don't know. This is where um, the numbers. I know eighty milligrams is the, is the, is the limit. Uh, yeah. in this country and then then we start getting into figures and milligrams which uh, hey facts who let facts get in the way of a good argument certainly not me but uh, so i don't quite know the percentages but 
08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give me a call uh, on that. We've been sent an amazing picture of uh, well i mean so john, john is my r- crash correspondent he sent me he sent me two pictures of car crashes the first the first one is the new road system in dunstable remember we talked about it the other day that kind of wide street it's a shared highway been no crashes there well john has sent me a picture of a crash on that road apparently but when we may look at that again he's also sent me a picture of a crash on the uh, luton dunstable busway wrecked car we are hearing more and more of incidents of cars driving down the busway there was wasn't there a lorry changing their tire recently i think this warrants more of an investigation so 08459 455 555 incidents on the luton to dunstable busway if you've got any photographs uh, as john has, has sent me email them in please ian.lee at bbc.co.uk dominic in toddington has called in on this morning dominic oh good morning Ian. what would you like to say um i was actually on um um bus fortunately not on the busway i was actually on hatter's way yesterday yeah and um uh, as as i said to kelly a few minutes ago um i think it was a car coming towards us going towards luton and came i think it came onto our side of the road yeah. And all of a sudden, it sort of crashed straight through the fence onto the busway. Um, I didn't actually see it happen. But um, as I went past the scene very slowly, uh, um, bus driver obviously wanted to make sure the driver was all right. And the car actually landed on the um, busway. Was it, a, was it a blue car, Dominic? Yes. Uh, this is the picture I have in front of me then. And yeah. it, it has, you're right, it's smashed through the fence. They've obviously yeah. cleared up the fence there. The car is, is a write-off. The front is completely yeah. crumpled. That's right, yeah. How, I, I, how did the car, I quite, can't quite work out from this photograph how the car got there and what it was doing to get there. I don't know. As I said to you, um, there was, uh, I think it must have lost control. I, I don't know whether it was actually overtaking another vehicle. I don't know. It's, um, it was um, going in towards into Luton. I was going the other way up towards mm. the hospital. And so it came onto our side of the road. And it must have been doing a terrific rate, not a rate of speed. And I suddenly shot straight to the fence. I didn't actually see it actually happen. But it was only the aftermath that uh, when I looked at the fencing, I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. It was lucky it wasn't killed. Yeah. The, the driver got out, did they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, somebody went over. They actually, um, um, people actually got out. Somebody actually got out of, them, uh, out, out of another car to um, make sure that the driver was all right. I immediately phoned the police to tell them. Yeah. So, obviously, they had to close Hatter's Way. And then, of course, the busway was closed as well for a while, but fortunately, by the time I went back to Toddington later, the bus was running. The thing about when, when you I, I, are in or witness a car crash, doesn't it make an incredible noise? Yes. Because you're used to seeing them on films and things, but when you hear it for, in real life, the noise is incredible. Yeah. That crunching of metal, Dominic. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, that, that's uh, I would imagine is the uh, the picture that we've got uh, in front of us that John has sent in. So we're, we're going to look into this, into the Luton to Dunstable busway. It's been up and running for a couple of months now. It's been there for a while. Remember, we did a live broadcast from outside Luton train station. Man, it was cold. All I remember, it, it was cold and it was damp. 
but we'll look into this if you've got any stories maybe you've been a passenger on the bus you're a bus driver or you just drive uh, drive past it any stories of cars going the wrong way cars going down the uh, the busway anything like that 08459 455555 or do send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk there's, there's, there's definitely something going on and it warrants uh, it warrants a little bit of a look should we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers shall we let's have a look see what's happening right let's have a start with these ones the um, the independent Puppy power. MPs set to debate scandal of UK's battery-farmed pets. Born into a world of darkness and filth with little or no human contact, they're often left without food or water. No, it's not Kelly Betts, it's puppies. It's puppies. Facebook democracy, the, sp- the face of things to come. Speaker of the Common- Commons calls on internet giants to lead digital revolution in British politics. Commission will draw up blueprint for... Here's a phrase that's been made up by a team of idiots... Parliament 2.0. The Times. Plane packs for cigarettes after Cameron's U-turn. PM seeks to head off populist Labour policy. Cigarettes are to be sold in plain packaging before the next general election after a U-turn by David Cameron designed to head off Labour claims that he's in hock to the tobacco lobby. There we go. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. The Guardian, greed is good. Boris invokes Thatcher spirit. Johnson calls for return of selective schools in bid for Tory right support. Match fixing hits British football, said the Daily Telegraph. Six arrested by police investigating betting syndicate. And the front page of uh, the Express. Crackdown on EU migrants. Cameron is forced to get, get tough, thanks to Daily Express readers, you reckon. The Daily Mail, Immigration, The Backlash and The Sun. Habitual criminal Nigella. TV cook lied over drug use, says Saatchi. Nigella Lawson is to be grilled in court under oath about drugs. I think this is all rather unpleasant. This is all being played out in public, whatever happens. On the subject of the busway, it's Paul in Stevenage. Good morning, Paul. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Paul, what have you spotted? Well, I think I know what one of the problems might be. Obviously, they've changed the uh, the road layout. I'm, I'm not familiar with Dunstable and uh, Luton, really, but I was driving through at about five o'clock the other night. Obviously, it's dark um, if you don't know where you're going. And they've changed the, uh, the the roads around a little bit, and my sat-nav nearly took me on there. Was I only noticed at the last minute. I see. I think it's the sat-nav problem. So people, are, oh, this is this is the problem with sat navs, and this is why you you you've acted right here. You should never blindly follow the sat nav. You need a little bit of common sense and your eyes, don't you? Yeah, you do. But if it's dark, yeah. um, obviously it's a lot easier to miss it and yeah, go on there than it is during the day. But um, yeah, and I, I'm talking about a three month old car. So we're not talking about an old sat nav. It's it's the fact that it's just not on. On, on the system yet the, 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 the road layouts have changed and, it, and it's trying to take you uh, where it shouldn't be taking you uh, Paul thank you very much uh, indeed yeah so it, it, could it be a sat nav problem that's incredible if that's the case 08459 555 on the subject of drink driving uh, some texts here Michael says most policemen can smell the difference between drink and mouthwash when they stop the driver uh, Dan from Flittick. Ian Lee, uh, zero tolerance drinking driving. If they get caught, they should lose the licence full stop and uh, not a ban of 12 months because if they kill someone, they lose their life. I had a friend that got killed by a drunk driver. He had a family, kids, wife. The driver got 12 months ban. Suzanne says, Ian, our little corner shop has just applied for a drinks licence from 6am to 11pm, seven days a week. I'm incensed. No wonder we have so many drunk drivers. 
And Helen in Milson Keene says, why don't they have a breathalyzer linked with ignition? Oh, this is JVS's idea. It wouldn't work. So the car wouldn't start if there's any alcohol in the system. I've said for years there should be zero tolerance. That way everyone knows where they are. 08459 four double five five double five. The last 15 minutes of the show, more of your calls on drink driving, uh, more of your calls on... Um, oh, I tell you what we can talk about as well. The last 15 minutes, secrets and lies that you've told to your, your partners. I've, I've just spent 30 quid buying 200 seven-inch singles from eBay. Uh, my wife's going to kill me when she finds out. She's found out. Someone tweeted her. She's tweeted. Ian, I have no problem with this. The recycling truck passes our house in a week's time, so you'll have a few days to enjoy them. <sighs> That's cold. So, drink driving, zero tolerance. I know JVS disagrees with this. He'll be talking uh, about this after nine o'clock. I, I do think it's the only obvious option. Everybody knows where they are in that case. You get in the car, if you've had a drink, you don't drive. Simple. And booze can affect you different ways on different days. Different time of the day. Have you eaten? Did you get a good night's sleep? You're feeling stressed? All of these things affect how it affects you. 08459 four double five five double five. Peter's in Wolverton. Peace be with you, brother. Good morning, Ian. Peace be with you, brother. What can I do uh, for you this morning, Peter? Drink driving, um, it should be zero tolerance. Nobody should get behind the wheel of a motor car if they've ever had uh, any alcoholic uh, beverage uh, within... Uh, six hours at least, so that they are totally and absolutely clear-headed. I have a uh, an acquaintance, not a friend, but um, an acquaintance. I used to work with this chap um, who was involved in an accident, uh, car accident, and it involved um, a person that was over the very much over the limit, unfortunately. And when he awoke after three months in a coma, only to find that his partner, who was the passenger in the car, not only had been killed, but had been cremated, uh, and he's never, ever got over that, uh, that situation. It's an awfully sad situation. It really, really is. Well, that's, uh, that kind of brings it home, doesn't it? Which is why it, it strikes me as so odd that people will still say, yeah, but... Oh, yeah, but it's, it's impossible. You you must not ever drink and drive because let's face it, a motor car is a very powerful um, killing machine if it's in the wrong hands. And how often do we hear of people that have been mown down on uh, the footpath or zebra crossings because the person was drunk at the wheel? And it, it's a terrible, terrible thing. No drinking, no driving. Well, the, the, I mean, the JVS's argument was that, that why should he, as, as a responsible driver, um, and I, I, I use that word deliberately, why should he, as a responsible driver, be denied having a glass of wine at lunch than driving a couple of hours later? Because it, it, that's different from being a drunk driver, isn't it? Well, I suppose so. A couple of hours, that gives time for the uh, uh, material to uh, disperse in the body, etc., and the head to clear. Um, but JVS is quite a large chap, so uh, his glass of wine yeah. isn't going to do uh, a lot. But if he was a little tiny fellow, um, maybe there would be a problem. Mm. But generally, if you are going to drive... Do not drink. Uh, I, I follow that policy because it's, 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 it's a no-no. Peter, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ian is on the line now. Ian, you disagree, do you? I disagree with that entirely, Ian. Um, he's just said, he just told a story about somebody that got killed by a very drunk driver. Now, that's who, they, that's who the, the problem is. The people that go out and get absolutely paralytic and then drive. It, it, 
it shouldn't be a case of zero tolerance. People should be able to have two or three drinks. Um, as long as they're... Uh, it's three, three drinks now, is it? If I had two or three drinks, it wouldn't affect me. I know that. But I the limit, the limit... Two or three drinks. Ian, the limit is, is, is two pints of beer. Roughly. Yeah, I don't do it, but I know that two or three drinks I'd still be fine to drive. Put it this way. Oh, well, dear who'd, be, who'd, who'd, be, who'd be the better, who'd be the better oh. or, or the more dangerous driver? Would it be me, who's a professional driver... Having, having three having drinks. Having two pints. Yeah, three pints. two pints. Yeah. Or the 19-year-old girl that's passed a test a couple of weeks before, who's just had a flaming round with a boyfriend and didn't have a good night's sleep the night before. Who would be the, more, the person more likely to be in an accident? Because I tell you, it wouldn't be me, it'd be her. Why are you comparing apples and oranges? I don't understand. Because what I'm saying is it's all relative. And okay, well, okay, about... if it's Ian, if it's relative, who would be more likely to have an accident? You having your two or three drinks, or somebody yeah. who's not had any drinks? It would be me. Well, exactly. So let's compare like with like, shall we, instead of comparing okay. completely different things. So we, if we, you, you, you have just admitted, you've just admitted that after two or three drinks, you would be more likely to have an accident. So... But Let's okay, get rid who, of who all of that be, likeliness. Ian, Ian, who would be more, more um, likely to have an accident? Somebody who's had nine hours sleep or somebody that's had four hours sleep? Are we, going to, are we going to make it law that people must have eight hours sleep? No, Ian, your, your argument, um, with the greatest of respect, your answer is, your argument is complete and utter nonsense. You're not, you're not comparing no. like with like. I've just compared like with like, Ian. Somebody with eight, uh, nine hours sleep and somebody with four hours sleep, who's the more likely to have an accident? It's, it's not like with like. Ian, stay there. Howard wants to say something. Good morning, Howard. You're through to, to Ian and Ian. Hello, mate. All right. Go on, Howard. What do you want to say? Uh, I'm with you on this one, mate. Go on. Uh, it's no, no zero tolerance on that. But Ian reckons that two or three pints, he'll be fine to drive. Yeah, he'd be slightly, slightly more likely to have an accident, but Doesn't he'll be matter. fine. No, I don't care. You don't drink. It's full stop. You don't drink. Ian? I, I, I disagree completely. I think that there are other factors, for instance, stress, for instance, medical conditions, for instance, lack of sleep, experience of driving that could lead to an accident. <laughs> But then why, why... The point is going to very, very slightly impair you. Very, very, very... Yeah, but Ian, if you had three pints and you got pulled over, yeah. say you was in an accident, and you, you have had three pints of uh, lager or whatever, and you yeah. was in an accident, how would you feel when you got breathalyzed and you was over the limit? How would you feel then? Well, I'd, I'd be gutted because I wouldn't do it. Um, well, but, yeah, you've just said, and we're running out of time, so I want to go to, to Justin, but you've just said you, there, there's a very, very slight chance you, you'll be more likely to have an accident. Well, that that's too much of a chance, isn't it? Okay. I, 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 dis- I disagree. I okay, Ian, is, we have to end it there, just because I, I want to speak to Justin, but Ian disagrees. And the, the whole sleep and stress thing, it, why, if there is a factor you can control, which is your intake of alcohol, then why introduce it? Anyway, right, I want to speak to Justin. Justin, Justin, Justin. I'm very, very excited. Mm, I know you are. 30 quid, 200 (laughs) seven-inch vinyl records from the 60s. I don't know what's in there. I don't know what's in there. It's going to be wonderful and some of it is going to be junk. My missus is going to kill me and she has found out. She's just tweeted, Ian, I've got no problem with this. The recycling truck passes our house in a week's time so you'll have a few days to enjoy them. Oh, fair play to you, boss, for doing this. I'm so proud of you. So proud. I'm proud of me. Mm. This is... 
this is my midlife crisis. I can handle this. Uh, you've been out to ask people whether their record collection has, has caused problems. Yeah, it's caused problems for me for, for years. People saying, why don't you get rid of it? Why don't you put it in a box? Put it in a box? What? That is my pride and joy. Why don't you download? Why? No, no, I want to touch. I want to feel. So um, I've been out into the streets you know. this morning, and uh, here's what happened. Alison, you're here with your husband this morning. He's got a, a very large collection. You want him to get rid of that collection, don't you? Yeah, most of it. Yes. Why? Most of his CDs are about war and fighting and all that sort of thing. And what about having more space as well? Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I could use that space. I could. Is it causing problems in your relationship? No. After 60 years, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) No. Despite the fact he wants to keep it, you keep pushing him, saying, come on, get rid. Yeah, he doesn't go to get, he's not going to do that, is he? I say well done to that man. Thank you very much. Oh, you would. <laughs> Caroline, you're a music lover, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Now, what do you think about some of those ladies out there who say to their partner, right, your collection, it's too big, get rid of it? I think they're wrong. They shouldn't be with them. So you think the man's got every right to say, right, you, on your bike? Yeah, I do. Dino, you're a vinyl lover, aren't you? Your partner hasn't said to you, get rid of it. What would you do if she came in one day and said, Dino, sit down, we need to have a little chat. It's about time that your vinyl went, we need more space. What would you do, Dino? I'd say, no, I'm not getting rid of it. What if she said, it's the vinyl or me? I'd keep the vinyl. <laughs> so seriously, you're that passionate about the vinyl, you would keep that and, and say goodbye to your wife? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dino, you're outrageous, but do you know what? I like you. Thank you very much. Now, you see, I did have a little bit of a clear-out recently. A lot of CDs, some of my vinyl. Uh, and as why? soon as Well, this is the thing. The CDs I'm not that, fu- that bus- uh, fussed about, oh, but... Oh, Ian, you've given in. Well, I know, You've but- given in? I thought more of you. But uh, one of... Uh, uh, <laughs> but the, the, what, the vinyl, getting rid of the vinyl, as soon as I did that, I kind of... I felt really bad. I yeah. did feel bad about that. Don't sell your vinyl. Don't do it. Well, well, I've just bought a load more. Good for you. The thing You've made that, up for it. Just we, can I just? We have to bring up. Uh, I, do, I, I will do this. Mm. We've had a few um, complaints. Oh yeah. Against you, right? From female and male members of the staff. What about? Well, this is a secret recording that someone made of you earlier on in the week. Okay. I want to touch, I want to feel. You see, now, we're getting... I want to touch, I want to feel. We're getting more and more reports of... I want to touch, I want to feel. ...of this behaviour, Justin, and... I want Mm. to touch, I want to feel. It's just not acceptable. Okay, well, listen, I've always wanted a day out of court, so I'll, um, see the guys there, yeah? I want to touch, I want to feel. Satisfactory outcome. There we go, that we, we just got the end of the statement there from Southern Electric. At last... Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. What a busy show. If you've got stories about the Luton to Dunstall busway, just had a great one on Facebook. Thank you for that. Uh, Then send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Thank you for that, Penny. Right, back tomorrow at six. JBS up next. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian.